had another reminder that I said on here to ask Matt about AI Whisper. We talked about this, I think, last time we were talking AI stuff. Yeah, and the the um, speech recognition. Yeah, whisper. Yeah, and that that's where you can get it to read whatever you want in your in whatever voice, right? Or no, it, it 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 does it it will transcribe um, transcribe from um, from from podcast, for example, to perfect transcript. Oh, but it won't transcript into voice. No. Oh, okay, then then that's my question. That is eleven labs that you're thinking of. Okay, and they will do it for about twenty dollars per hour. I think your first three hours are free. Yeah, that that's why I asked actually because uh, Ask Who on our Discord was uh, doing. Uh, plane crash yeah and he did the first few hours and then it's like actually stupidly expensive no no well, hold know. on a second twenty dollars for an hour that is insanely cheap if you were to try to pay me or a human to do that it'd be at least two ten times as much well you charge a lot no voice, no i don't voice work is cheap i guess it's it's cheap compared to like having actors come to a place for a uh, finished hour of voice work you're looking at between two and four hundred dollars an hour typical rates fair enough but i guess if it costs humans that much money sure but it shouldn't cost that much money for a robot to do it and ask who is uh trying to set up a patreon so you can keep this going i mean uh, in theory it costs the robot a few pennies but the fact that you're paying one tenth of what you would pay a human kind of makes up for that right well, until you're trying to do uh, what I'm assuming will end up being four or five hundred hours worth of audio. Well, sure. Yeah. So what? That's like twenty grand. Get. I mean, I'm, I'm sure once a competitor comes into the into play, it'll be cheaper. But first, someone has to get a couple hundred million to <laughs> train up a competitor. The marginal cost is almost nothing, but the initial capital investment is fucking huge. So, what's the fair price? I don't know. Yeah, it's tough. Twenty dollars an hour, apparently. Yeah. Well, it's so far, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When when there's no competitor, the price is. Whatever we feel like, and if yeah. people won't pay for it, then we'll we'll tweak it. Mm. But right. I I did I so I am paying twenty bucks a month to use GPT four, um, which I use like only enough that I've never I've never run into the limit of like what twenty five questions or twenty five interactions per three hours or something. Right. You know, like I asked it for you know how do I if I currently eat lots of gluten how do I stop doing that? It gave you know seven good steps and then a couple bullet points. You, have you had a bunch of moths like in the last mm-hmm. couple of weeks at your place? Yeah. Um. No, but I had some outside. So. There was a, like a dozen in our garage. So I, I said to the GPT, I was like, I have what I feel like is an above average amount of moths in my garage. It's a new home, uh, finished construction in October, and the moths are a new thing. It's mid-May with rainy weather. Any other details I can provide to help us brainstorm how they're all getting in and why? Mm-hmm. And it asks like, okay, yeah, what's the layout? What's the lighting? What's your storage? Is there nearby vegetation? What species? Um, and I was like, I, there's no food in the garage. Uh, there's no non-natural light. There are two windows, but they're sealed. Um, the species is whatever the most common moth is in Colorado, because I've seen this around before. Mm-hmm. Probably Miller moths. That right? that's what that's that was the conclusion. <laughs> okay. And uh, um, it was just kind of fun that it you know I asked it like what other things can I ask you to help get information and it gave in and it asked. Mm-hmm. It didn't actually solve the problem. I think. Well, I mean, it because I, I didn't go out and buy you know pheromones and stuff right yeah. i just i so it did solve the problem wow. it just required the moving of matter in the real world well some of them i think weren't things that i needed like you know it still emphasized the nearby vegetation but really what it is is like i think that they're currently in a migratory pattern going through here mm-hmm. which is why they're already diminishing in numbers even though i haven't done much but i did seal the garage better interesting yeah you see i keep i've been doing yard work and i keep finding them like amid the rocks weirdly like i'll be digging and then suddenly there's like a moth freaking yeah. out and i'm like mm-hmm. what where did you come from did you were you spawned from the rocks that is apparently where they are coming from you saw that the, they're spawned from the rocks i, I think that's their larva is uh, they live in like the the mud underneath oh I you saw the delivery box outside by the yeah. front door, right? Yeah. Uh, like 3 days ago i opened it and there were like seven moths inside flooding around in a panic i'm like 
How the fuck did you get in here? What the hell? It's it's, it's kind of curious, isn't it? It makes like, you believe in spontaneous generation. Yeah. <laughs> that, like like those peasant farmers from the 1500s weren't all that stupid. It's like <laughs> I kind of get why you think mice just come out of hay when you stack enough of it because they uh-huh. certainly seem to. Are we actually in the topic? Yeah, kind of. So we should maybe do a soft intro. <laughs> welcome to the Bayesian Conspiracy. I'm Inyash Brodsky. I'm Steven Zuber. I'm Matt Freeman. Matt Freeman, welcome back. We're talking about general AI stuff. I have a specific thing I want to say and then a question, a broader question to ask about it, but I'm not sure that is a top of the show thing yet. Maybe I'll get into it further along. So the prompt I gave it was, uh, can you write me a short monologue about software development feature planning in the style of Quentin Tarantino? Mm-hmm. And I'll just, I'll, I'll read just the first line. Is there a lot of motherfuckers in there? I don't see the word motherfucker, no. Okay. <laughs> I doubt it even swore. It opens parentheses, fade in, a dimly lit room with a single spotlight illuminating a seasoned software developer, his fingers stained with traces of Cheetos, and his eyes hidden behind thick frame glasses. He's gruff, mid-forties, he's got the wisdom of a thousand stack overflow threads coursing through his veins. <laughs> All I said was, can you write me a monologue about software development in the style of Quentin Tarantino? Yeah. And it opens up with that. I love it. And there are so many little parentheticals, sips coffee again, pauses for effect. It was a fun job. We do have one thing that we usually do at the top before we get started. What's that? We have somebody say great things about the Guild of the Rose, and we actually have someone from the Guild of the Rose right here with us. That's right. Yeah, so the cool thing happening right now at the Guild is we're, we're beginning the launch of what we're calling Quests, which is we're gathering ideas from the Guild members in terms of what sorts of longer-term projects we could pursue as a group. Once we have sort of gathered and, and gone through those collaboratively, then we'll, we'll pick one or more of them and we'll pursue those projects. And I'm excited about this because this was kind of always one of the, the dreams of having the guild in the first place was was the observation that organizing rationalists is like herding cats. We're not really joiners, but if you could if you could focus us at some task and organize us, then then I, I feel like we ought to be pretty uh, impactful at that. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to sort of test that hypothesis with this organizational and community structure that we've built. So, uh, yeah, if you want to if you want to check out the guild now, you can become a part of that process of selecting and working on some longer term project. I don't know. I don't think there's even a front runner right now. I think we're very much in the brainstorming process. But uh, I encourage you to to join the guild and check it out if you're at all interested. Neat. Can you give an example of like a longer term quest that you're considering? Well, one one that uh, one of our counselors has has suggested i don't know whether this is uh, one that people like or not honestly i I think it's kind of cool the idea is uh to to take one of our guild of the rose pins that we have and and get it as far away from yourself as possible Hmm. um which um the longer you think about that the more ideas you can think of um in terms of how ambitious to get are we talking just in terms of miles Sure. Yeah. I could mail something to Fiji. Mail something to Fiji. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's so that's my first idea. And short of getting it on a spacecraft, I can't really think of a further way, further place to get it. Well, oh, whoa, you, that's better. Why idea. would you go short if that? Though? Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> well, well, I guess I don't know how I could. I mean, if the goal is to actually do the thing, I don't think I, I'm not convinced I could sneak onto you know. You don't sneak. It doesn't cost that much to get a few grams onto a SpaceX launch, right? It, it doesn't. Like some muggle can just be like, can, I, can you put this on that ship? Well, mm-hmm. it's like a thousand dollars a kilogram or something. Yeah. There's, there's. But that's for them. Do they let? Do they let? Do they let civilians? be like hey i really want i really want this thing away from me can you put it in space please i would pay a hundred dollars to put a tiny pin into space if it was to win a quest yeah (laughs) (laughs) all right well that's kind of cool that's just one idea yeah okay um, that's kind of fun though i like it and it's you know unless you put in some creative problem solve or like creative approach and uh 
I mean, but I, you know, I jump straight to space, but I feel like that's because that's the furthest I can go in, in any direction is up, right? So mm, uh, maybe you could fly over the Marianas Trench and drop it with a weight attached to it. That, that was my other thought, you know, but short of getting into space, that's probably the best I could do. Although then I have to actually just, you know, check is that actually further from me than Fiji? Right. right. Is it a straight line or is it like how far to get there? Then I'd have to, you know, look at those numbers. This is yeah, fun. I like to it. Figure out what, what <laughs> orbit you want to put it in. Right. <laughs> and it's like, it's like, does it have to be maximally far away at some specific moment in time? Because if it's in orbit above your head at that moment, then you totally failed. <laughs> That's awesome. Nice. Guild of the Rose. We like them. They help you be better at rationalism. We partner with them. So there's links in the show notes or you can just go to the guild of the rose dot org. Org. Excellent. So Matt, when I invited you to this podcast, I said, Stephen and me are planning to sit and just talk on mic about living in the early singularity mm -hmm. for the next episode. What did you think that was going to entail? What were you going to talk about? Well, my head went toward all of the ways in which the new chat agents have improved my life in, in small ways here and there, small and large ways. That was probably the number one way in my hip pocket what i came intending to talk about okay. i wonder what did y'all have a similar or totally totally different in disjoint um i have a totally different idea but i like okay. that one too before i say mine steven what were you thinking i actually hadn't heard it phrased that way until just now so i didn't <laughs> know we're, we're going to be t in that in that particular framing but part, oh, part of it that runs to mind whenever someone talks about the problems of age-related degenerative problems like alzheimer's or something mm -hmm. and i'm like i i really uh never really been a concern of mine like i had a great grandparent whose her, her mind it's not clear what her problem exactly was because she lasted so long that it couldn't have just been like run-of-the-mill alzheimer's because that that's actually like terminal but she went just crazier and crazier over like the last 10 years mm -hmm. uh, so there's some of that in the family but the more that i think about it like there's no future that i'm really worried about where that's actually a concern for me Okay. Why is that? One way or another, the problem is either <laughs> solved uh, by things working well, or it's solved by things going poorly. Imagine someone is not listened to our past twenty episodes. <laughs> so there's one the one set of futures where we're all dead mm -hmm. because the AI problem went badly and we failed. Mm -hmm. um, then the other one is a you know under the umbrella of things went well, and it can be where we're all living in a happy robot mo bodies or in a matrix or something. But even just like just a few weeks ago, there was that CRISPR breakthrough where they're now able to target specific cells or specific cell types. Mm -hmm. Like, we're on the cusps of so many game-changing technologies. And it seems like that's all, you know, we've always been five years away from the next giant break breakthrough, but we actually seem to be, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, so there's no way we're sitting for another 50 years with a problem that we've solved already in mice, right? Yeah. So I, I don't, like, so things like that I don't see actually being a problem. Yeah, you reminded me, you know, we've got this Ozempic drug breakthrough which is of the class of drugs that is basically a polypeptide maybe i'm totally off base but i feel like 10 or 15 years ago that was just not a thing like the idea that you're going to take a polypeptide and put it in your body and that's a drug hmm. i i thought i don't know anything about polypeptides why was that not a thing this is the semaglutide one right yeah, what did I... Uh, you, a Zimp, yeah, I think that's the same, brand name. Okay. Yeah, okay, I think, yeah, I think yeah. you're Just right. Just wanted to make sure we're talking about the same thing. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's the same type of drug that I take for my headaches, by the way, in, in, the, in the sense that it's a... It's basically a protein chain. That's what a polypeptide is. But like, I think it's that that was really hard to do, especially at scale, not that many years ago. And now it's like there's this whole new class of drug, and it's almost like we barely even acknowledge... Again, could totally be off base here. But but I, I feel like I feel like this is a totally new class of drug that is just solving all these problems and that's just an example of what you're talking about where it's like one thing my brother says is like we, we 
we do have a lot of cool technology in our world, but we've totally failed to leverage the billion-year-old na- nanotechnology mm. that that is almost the most impressive thing that is that we interact with on a daily basis is the mm. billion-year-old nanotechnology. Yeah. Um, and there's an enormous amount of potential there that is, I think, beginning to be uh, tapped. You could say. Yeah. Didn't one of the alpha, like Google alpha uh, AIs? basically solve the protein folding problem was that one of the google ones alpha fold yes mm-hmm. uh well that'll help us um you know leverage our built-in nanotech and yes what do you think about that maybe you can come back in with your answer Stephen. yeah it was the other side of that coin but i can't remember what it was it's been weighing on me a lot and has made it harder for me to motivate myself to do things in the real life mm-hmm. um which is part of the reason that we for a long time did specific episodes on specific topics that like we've read about or people we have on to interview them. It's been a long time since we've just sat down and randomly talked about shit. Mm-hmm. Part of the reason we're doing here now is because of like I'm I'm finding it harder to motivate myself to do other things just due to the fact that like I don't know, there's a good at least 20% chance that 10 years from now there's not going to be a human species and that makes that makes things harder for me to motivate myself and to deal with and i that is what i meant by like how do we live in these times yeah and uh sure yeah yeah i mean i think there's maybe maybe overlap between the two the two things because part of having but part of the idea that you have this um omni-capable chat agent is like hey it's super helpful but at the same time it eliminates things that you otherwise would have done Mm-hmm. I forget what the Dune phrasing is exactly, but like you, you know, you've basically taken something away from me by taking away an opportunity to to do work. I, I think I had a sunnier approach in terms of like having a long list of of like cool projects that ChatGPT has helped me with. You but, mentioned a few of them. I actually think I'm super interested in this. Yeah. Well, so but that okay, and I, and I will get to those. But I just want to bracket and say like I think it's made me less excited to work on like writing fiction, which is which is kind of a hobby of mine. It just gives you that feeling of like, ah, this thing can just, it does all of the parts that, that I was going to work on and that was going to be the fun struggle. Like, See, I personally, I disagree. Like, if I want to give it a generic thing, like write me an action scene or whatever, it can do that. And those are really fun to write too. So I, I, I'm not going to, I do slightly lament the fact that there's not much point in writing those. But like, the things I really want to write are the things that are stuck in my brain that I'm still kind of figuring out. Mm-hmm. And there's no way ChatGTP could say those for me because i don't even know how to formulate them yet sure maybe a future chat gpt i could be like here's all my readings on the subject here's all my opinions on the subject right now can you formulate them in the style of a novel with a zombie apocalypse and two teenagers Mm -hmm. and maybe it could do it but right now i have to do that myself and that is on the one hand a pain in the ass because (laughs) it's a lot of fucking work to get this figured out in Mm -hmm. my head and put it on paper but on the other hand at least I can't be replaced by an AI or anyone else right now because mm-hmm. no one else is quite the same. As far as I can tell, nobody else is writing this thing. So, yeah. And I'm not saying it's valuable. It's probably going to be of interest to me and maybe two other people on Earth. But at the very least, I I'm, I feel like I'm contributing something. Sure. Well, and then, you know, it, it can be just for you. And that's that's the fun of it, right? Like yeah, The part, fun of it is sharing. Yeah. But having it be your voice versus just like having something in the shape of the kind of thing you're thinking of come out, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, no, I actually made this and people and, and sharing it rather than it being like, this is kind of what I was going for. And it was made in, you know, 90 minutes by this robot that I worked with back and forth. Right. I like, will say I enjoy editing much more than just straight first draft writing. So maybe if it could write the first draft for me and I could go back and edit and make it better, that might actually make things even easier. Interesting. Yeah. We talked about, there was a scene in worth the candle that you were like, this is like Tarantino mon Like they're talking about Reese's cups. Okay. And you were like, this just feels like, you know, like how Tarantino can write a scene where they come in talking about 
royale with cheese right right and it's like this has nothing to do with anything but it's just like dialogue that is character building and stuff you know so if you're struggling to figure out how to do one of those like with a, with an idea that you have yeah. i had i had it write two two short things for me that were tarantino style interactions with software stuff just for fun yeah. so like it can help you kind of like work back and forth to try and find like the thing you're looking for and then you can edit you know the final result of that yeah. but the other thing i was going to say and i remember when you said early singularity is that i find it fun and Knowing kind of similar word there, listening to people like uh, the very bad wizards talk about how unimpressive ChatGPT is, right? Yeah, and it's like huh, it doesn't even know that that was the Iliad, not the Odyssey. <laughs> and it's like I don't know if you understand what the how good it has to be to even be close to the right answer there, right? Yeah, I think it grew into one of the fastest user base apps in the history of apps mm-hmm. uh that it went from like it's launched to being used by like 100 million people very very quickly mm-hmm. so this is like a lot of people's first real exposure to thinking about ai stuff mm-hmm. and i i'm finding that it seems like those people are are unimpressed or they're like oh that's neat but it's not that big of a deal whereas those of us who've been watching the trends for like a decade are where uh, we seem more nervous than they do right the people are just seeing like this chatbot they're like oh yeah, all right, cool. Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, oh, that's stupid. You know, people are going to use this to plagiarize, you know, homework or whatever. Right. Like, that's their concern, yeah, right? Yeah. And it's like, you, you, but you guys, if you watched where this was five years ago versus where it is now versus, you know, where, where it was six months ago versus where it is now even, right? Yeah. The, the trend is, is more worrisome. But if you're just coming in now, you're not seeing a trend trail. You're just seeing now and it doesn't look all that scary without... Some like, of the context. Oh, that's interesting. Someone invented this powder that burns really fast. I guess you could make a... <laughs> firework out of it yeah <laughs> well, i can start a fire real easy that's handy yeah, but, you yeah. Know, what else is it gonna do yeah. yeah it's not gonna it's not gonna eventually like change the tide of history really easily right that's honestly closer to what i wanted to talk about is like i could just list like a hundred different things that it helped me with but like stepping back from that the meta point is that there are a hundred different things that it that it helped me with right and and it's like it has lowered the energy barrier for approaching new projects like I've just felt like a sense of ease in my existence, which has originated from this, which is just like, no matter what it is, if I have a problem with my, I hear a weird sound coming from my air conditioner, weird moths are showing up <laughs> in your, in your yard, your, your 3d prints are coming out with a weird, like a very specific things weird about them. And you're like, I don't know how to, I don't know how to Google search any of these things. Mm-hmm. How do you Google search weird noise coming from, from air conditioner? How do you Google search the little, there's like a little, it's like a, it's like a loop, but it's like only on the edge. It's like, you can't, you, the old approach would have been you, you kind of Google it and then you read a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. You probably never find exactly the right answer, or maybe you sort of do. And then you're like, okay, but what do I do about that? And, and it's you usually sort of truncate the process before you get to the point of obtaining the solution, because it's just, that's interesting. It, that's been my process for fixing a lot of things that happen at my properties i'm like what the hell why is the mm-hmm. dishwasher not working mm-hmm. and it was like a couple hours with google finding all the things that might have happened and ultimately it was like yeah sediment was in the water line yeah. and it got into that tiny little pump and that fucked it up i liked the fact that i had to go on this whole searching journey it was like an mmo in real life <laughs> sure <laughs> yeah but on the other hand it did take me several hours and i, I can see how It'd be nice just to ask ChatGTP, yo, what happened? And when it comes to the, the the idea about it, like introducing ease, it's like what you just said. Yeah, I would I would do that. But now it's it's almost just like ah, I just I just talk to the thing and I get the answer. You know, like the three D printing is a good example because that was like I've had a three D printer for forever, and off and on tried to do projects with it, and I would always run into some 
some stumbling block and be like, this is this has ceased being fun now. This is an annoying, burdensome task. This is now a chore, actually. Like it's gone from being a fun thing that I was doing to a chore because I ran into an obstacle and I don't know how to proceed. And then I don't touch the 3D printer for another 18 months. Mm-hmm. And now I've just been like, steadily cranking my way through like projects where it's like i hit an obstacle and i'm just like okay uh describe problem get ideas on what it could be pursue them discuss and then maybe oh 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 oh, that's what it is okay and then i watch a youtube video about like that particular thing and then i solve the problem and it's like it's all fun like like the i'm just I'm just deftly jumping over the stumbling blocks as, as they arise. And um, mm. and and the 3D printing is just one example of this. It's, it's like the same kind of goes for like lawn care or programming projects that I've wanted to do for a long time. But I would hit some obstacle and be like, oh, oh fuck it, I'm not going to bother. And, and now it's like just all these things. It's like the only reason I stop working on them is I either just finish, yeah. you know, rarity of rarities. Or like, I don't know, something else in life comes up and I get distracted. But it's, yeah. It's an interesting thing that you bring that up that it makes it, like finding that sediment got into the pump thing was almost a small miracle, right? It was serendipity. (laughs) I I Uh searched enough and I eventually found it. And actually, I kind of love serendipity because it feels so good when it happens. Mm -hmm. I I love going to serendipity-rich environments and just having magic happen in your life. But it reminds me, one of the most upvoted uh, less wrong posts from last year was luck-based medicine, my resentful story of becoming a medical miracle. <laughs> I had that same one open, and I, I really enjoyed it and felt the... I love the, the title encapsulates it perfectly. Yeah. My resentful story. Yeah. Like, it's someone who eventually, after many years of um, having this medical problem, and they basically lucked into a solution after many years. Am I summarizing this correctly? I think so, yeah. It's, I read it... It's like, what, months old, but... Uh, yeah. Yeah. And it expressed a lot of frustration that... We should not have to just rely on luck to fix a massive medical issue in my life. Like, this was huge. And I agree. And it sounds a lot like what you're saying is ChatGPT removes all that luck stuff. It's just like, here's what would happen if you spent 10 years stumbling about looking for serendipity to finally get the answer. I know it for you. Let me just give it to you. Which is, on the one hand, great because you don't live for decades with a medical issue. On the other hand... Serendipity is really fun. <laughs> I think depending on the stakes of the issue, you know, you, it just because it it opens an easy path doesn't mean you have to take it, right? Yeah. Like I remember, you know, because I've I've been doing a lot of like home improvement stuff around my place, and I really love like the DIY solutions that I and I, some of them are you know janky things I thought of my own, and they're they're fun, and I like that they work. And then others, just googling, like I was trying to figure out, you know, like window trim on the inside, like where the wood meets the glass. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there's like a, a caulking seal there. Sometimes there's something else, and I couldn't figure out what the name of that place was, mm. that that area. So I'm, like, I'm googling like anatomy of window mm. and looking at like you know pictures of of, and they're all different, and it's not helpful. And then I'm then it's just like oh, it's just a felt lining in there, and I want to can I just cock over that? Yes, but because I didn't quite know if I knew what to look for, then I could have just googled it right away. I'm leaning more into just using it like um if if I had my brain trust, you know, at a rationalist meetup, and I just, like, wanted to, like, rudely interrupt the conversation and focus on my problem really quick, mm. I can just be like, hey, what's up with all these fucking moths? And, like, everyone works to, like, you know, spitball an idea together. Yeah. It's like that, but I can do it from my phone. Yeah. And it's and I don't, and I don't feel rude doing it. Um, I'm finally past the point, we talked about this a few weeks ago, where, like, I, I'm... I stopped saying please and thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Good. <laughs> so... I'm proud of you. Well, I mean, you know, when in doubt, be nice. Now I don't mind just, like, going straight to my, you know 
can I solve this? What's this? What about this? Yeah. Um, but I also like trying different approaches. Like I had one programming problem last week and I opened it like, am I dumb? I feel like this should work. And then it's like, you're actually really close. And I think it said that because I asked if I was dumb. I don't know if it would have otherwise, <laughs> nice. right? You're right. This is good. It makes things easier. It's especially good if it's something very impactful for your life, right? Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, as Steven was saying, he would just throw it open at a less wrong meetup and maybe you wouldn't get a good answer that sucks and you feel rude by imposing on other people but on the other hand this is yet one more thing that isolates us from other humans because it's lots of times i feel like i want to just ask hey how do you do this and then i'm like i should just google it i'm not going to waste someone's time but then you isolate yourself more and yeah you know i mean even google is a newfangled technology right so Mm -hmm. like it used to be if you didn't know honestly it's baffling to me how people even uh, okay so you know i wanted to plant some kind of ground spreading jupiter at jupiter juniper in my yard and and i was like you know ask chat gpt like what like what are some good good fast growing ground spreading junipers and it's like here's options and i was like what about this one yeah that'll work hmm. how, how fast does it grow well, this is how fast it's like bam 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 got exactly the answers i wanted okay it's like That's ten, awesome. 10 years ago could have googled could have got to basically the same answers probably mm-hmm. 10 or 15 or 20 years before that what the hell do you do you just you you go to you go to a Home Depot or Lowe's or whatever, and you just look at them and you study their labels and you're like, either, I guess this one looks good. <laughs> either you go to a library yeah, or you go. ask someone who already knows mm-hmm. uh, or, well, someone you know who already knows, or you like go to a nursery and you're mm-hmm. like, hey, people who work here, I realize this is your passion. I'd like to talk to you about ground spreading juniper. Yeah, there you go. And at the end, you reward them by buying their juniper. <laughs> but the fun thing, and that's what I like about our current circumstances, is that you can still do that. You can. Um, yeah. You don't have to. Yeah. Like the, the, the quick approach to finding the answer is still there but if you want to go for the slow one because you find that stuff rewarding oh, or, or if there's no urgency you can do that too you had mentioned the serendipity of like finding the right thing online yeah. i found some like archived diy forum for like I, I was trying to uh there were screws that were screwed in too far where they put in like the housing for the uh the little flap that opens when you turn on your fan in your bathroom mm. and i'm like how do i unscrew a screw from the inside mm. and it turns out googling that doesn't give you a good answer but if you if you google that and then you know several iterations and then several pages deep you find an, ar- an archive of someone actually doing the exact same problem because this seems to be where it's the most problem it's like it happened to be also just trying to get your your fingers into a into a small duct in a bathroom fan i like that it was also the the, cool. the exact same problem if you, if you want to have fun exploring it and again it's low stakes you know like which plant to pick yeah we'll pick the wrong one then who, you know not a big deal if you want to just like get it done because you don't want to think about it or you know do a lot of actual digging and work for it and it's like, can you just tell me the answer? And it's like, yeah, you bet. Here you go. This is maybe more of a tangential gripe, but I feel like every time I go to Lowe's and actually, first of all, you can't find a human being. And then if you yeah. do find a human being, they're like, I don't know. I just yeah. work here, man. Yeah, I just yeah. work here. And you're like... They seem to be less experts than they used to. Yeah. I mean, I, I yeah. That's the thing. I, I want to talk to someone who this is the thing they love, which is why I would go to a nursery for a plant thing and not a Home Depot. Because I feel like every now and then you do meet someone i think this is more common at ace stores mm-hmm. who, and you have to pay more for stuff at ace stores mm-hmm. but the people there are more likely to actually like care yeah. if you go to home depot they're like there were no utensils in medieval times hence there are no utensils at medieval times would you like a refill on that pepsi there were no utensils but there was pepsi dude i got a lot of tables let me get my paycheck and go home that's a, that's a valid point like if i really was I think it comes down to, for me, like, there's always 10,000 things that I want to do. Planting the juniper, it's like, if I don't get this whole project done in the next 90 minutes, it's not going to happen. Right. So, like, the going to the store and the making the decision and the digging a hole and the planting all has to happen. And there need to be there needs to be no 
game breaking obstacle to this yeah. process and and that's kind of the way a lot of stuff is with my life just due to being just yeah just due to the way my life is and that's what i mean about it just introducing ease where it's like i can actually just do the whole thing and know that it's probably gonna work so what you're saying is it makes you insanely productive it, it does make me insanely productive yeah it's interesting because like the main way i tell people about it making me productive is that it just like makes me faster at coding but it's like I don't know how to quantify the fact that I now have all these juniper plants planted because <laughs> if not for it helping me kind of pick the one I wanted and yeah. how big it was going to grow and all that stuff, yeah. then I may not have done that at all. And yeah, that, that kind of thing multiplied by... I've, I've had a lot of people ask me like, so how does this actually help make you more productive? And my answer has been, I don't know, I don't use it <laughs> because I'm doing things the slow way because it's fun and I can afford to, mm-hmm. but... Well, you're no, you're right. St- you're doing a lot of stuff with your hands too, where like yeah. it might suggest the the right tool for the job or something. But at the end of the day, you still got to do it. Well, you I'm, know? I'm doing framing of a new bedroom right now, and the way I learned in quotes how to do that is by watching a bunch of YouTube videos. Like almost any manual skill, you can get the basics of with YouTube nowadays, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what I what I found to cut down on some of my time for that, like I wanted to adjust the door sitting in a frame. Like I had just gotten towards making a good habit of like whenever I had like a problem or a question to like just google the answer really quick rather than just like let it stir and then forget about it yeah i think i was finally just getting good at that when now the new solution is to just do ask chat gpt so i've got a Mm -hmm. a shortcut button on the home screen of my phone Mm -hmm. to to do that instead so basically and chat gpt is like a smoother an obstacle remover but yeah what it does and it leads me to the youtube videos because i'm like all right look here's what i'm trying to do what Mm -hmm. what are the kinds of approaches if i know if i know nothing about this Mm -hmm. and then i learned like the hinges you know you call the the parts where like the pin goes through knuckles and the parts that attach to the the frame into the door uh, leaves and you can adjust if you pull and then that's where it led me to a video because I could Google how to adjust and then specify using those terms mm. and I got some great video by you know a guy who looked kind of like Steve Buscemi <laughs> and he walked me through it and it was perfect nice. um, but it, it's kind of just like if I have no idea what I'm talking about it can help mm-hmm. and that's what's kind of cool and that it's hard to Google when you have no fucking clue like what what the words are to Google right um, yeah. but th- this can get you there part of the way uh, Super tangentially, but I, I keep forgetting that I remembered. I've been watching Jeopardy Masters Tournament because it's on Hulu. The $1,000 uh, tech terms question was, uh, this is what could happen, or this is what it's called, if you give a, an AI instructions and it doesn't understand when to stop. Mm-hmm. It was something like that, but the answer was paper clipping, and it mentioned oh. the, the question included Nick Bostrom's name, which is interesting since it was Eliezer that coined the term. Well, so that, I remember that too, and I, I think Bostrom got popular putting it in his book, and even Yudkowsky, I think when he, I remember him talking about it on Sam Harris's podcast, mm-hmm. and Harris was like, you know, I think this was a Bostrom thing, and he's like, as far as I know, it was me, yeah, right. <laughs> but it came from like the early days of you know IRC chats where mm-hmm. you know it, it might not have been, but it was around that time. He always um, complains that. The way Bostrom uses it is not the way he originally intended it anyway. So. Right. He uses the example to mean something different. Yeah. Uh, but I just liked that paper clipping or paper clip. Yeah. Uh, I think it was like, what is paper clip maximizing or something was the answer. Okay. But that was on Jeopardy for TV. You know, people mm-hmm. watch at home and cool. this, this wholly wasn't a thing people were thinking of. You know, this Even wouldn't have been a question. Ago. This wouldn't have been a question last year, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with what you're saying about the idea of um, it, it actually leads me to maybe consume more youtube videos than i otherwise would have but like they're more likely to be the right ones Mm. yeah less less dead ends less wrong turns yeah so like the you know 
the the reason I'm doing 3D printing right now is I want to make like cool armor for my kids to wear at the Renaissance Festival because mm-hmm. that sounds like fun. That's the best use of a 3D printer, I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's it's the only one I can think of. <laughs> um, but like the cool thing is, like if I have a very distinct problem, it'll help me solve that. But also, it helps me sort of strategize about like what higher level problem am I trying to solve? Maybe the rabbit hole that I'm in right now is a waste of time and I'm going to end up throwing this away anyway and I need to like rethink the approach. And that's the way in which, unlike Google, Google is not like having a a really smart friend to talk through a problem with because Google will just help you find the answer you're looking for. Whereas with this thing, you're you're more likely to be able to be like, that's just not really going to work and you're going to waste a whole bunch of time and... You're never, your kids are never going to wear the 3D printed armor. <laughs> um, it, here's the thing. Like, it, it's interesting because I totally understand what you're saying, Inyash, about the idea of like, it, it disconnects you mm-hmm. uh, from other people. But on the other hand, I do actually want to have the 3D printed armor. Right. At yeah. some point. So, yeah. so I, I kind of, and, and it has helped me. Uh, I've gotten way farther than I ever would have otherwise. Like, I'm, I'm very sure of that on, on the project. So, in my, small sample size gpt4 is much better at helping me solve coding problems mm-hmm. than chat G- than gp3 or 3.5 or whatever mm-hmm. um, it's important to note if you aren't paying 20 dollars a month you're using 3.5 right yeah. only people who are paying the money get access to gpt4 yeah. so if you are unimpressed with the results you're getting shell out a few bucks yeah give it a shot mm-hmm. unfortunately you can't do like a day free trial either i wanted to do that right. but you know you can just do one month at a time yeah Th- throw down 20 bucks and then use it as much as you can for that month if you don't want to use it again but I would find before where I'd be like, no, the answer you give me is wrong. And it, this is something that's just, it just, it's built into it that it's like, oh, I'm sorry, you're right. And it keeps doing that. I've even told it, like, stop apologizing. Mm-hmm. And then it, that works point. for a couple of prompts and then it starts apologizing again. Um, How do you handle the, I have a hard time trusting anything that I read from it. Like, whenever it gives me a solution, I want to go and Google it to make sure that's actually correct. But also, you know, sometimes I can't Google it. If it bars back code for me to, to try... I can sure. plug and chug and see if it works. Yeah, but so, you got to wait six months for your Juniper to. Right, right. Yeah. I'm just, but I'm saying like some problems I can just check immediately, and Google wouldn't even be the right approach. I, I think my rule of thumb is like if it's not something that's going to cause real harm, if I get it wrong, mm-hmm. then I'm, I'm just like, is this probably something that it would know about already, or like as long as it's not something that it, it's going to need to think about, then I just trust that it'll probably get the answer right. Because mm-hmm. like if it, yeah, basically. I'm sure there's just pages that are just have all of the facts about all of the junipers and how fast they grow and what kind of sunlight they need. And, 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 and I don't expect it would have a problem um, with that. And, and like you just said, also, it's like, if I plant the wrong juniper, it's like, okay, well, who cares? Better luck yeah. next year. Yeah. 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 But whereas, and then like with the 3d printing stuff, the advice it'll give is, is like either like self-evidently true or you're just like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Or, or is a trailhead to another source where I, I will end up reading that anyway. One interesting example, I made some um, electroplating solution because I wanted to like electroplate the armor at one point. Huh. And then I was like, shit, I've now created a jug full of toxic <laughs> liquid. And, and I hate that because now I have to dispose of it in some special way. And I was like, can I just dump this down the sink? And it's like, no. And I'm like, what if it's really dilute? And it's like, no. And I'm like, what if I mix it? No. And, 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 and it was, it was kind of, I thought it was really interesting because I was like, I bet if I like cajoled it properly, knowing what I know about prompt engineering and so forth, I could get it to say that I could dump copper sulfate down the sink. But it was, it was enough of a like, 
this is a bad idea. You really don't want to dump carbon sulfide down the sink. That I was like, okay, fine, fine, fuck it. I won't dump it down the sink. <laughs> um, drive it to the dump and pay them twenty bucks to dispose of it yeah, properly or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. You've got to do the the annoying way, or, or or it just stays in my garage in a jug for ten years is is the more likely outcome. But in in either case, I just thought that was interesting because it's like it's not trivial. It, it it's not a um it. <laughs> Be like, you know how when you're walking around in a video game and you just happen to find the most random shit that you need for your quest, mm-hmm. your garage is going to be what the AI <laughs> finds in ten years as it's taken over the world. It's like there's that jug of carbon sulfate I need to take over Lakewood. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. I wanted to talk to you about prompt engineering a bit because this is once software development becomes something that robots more or less do, not without supervision, because that that sounds by that point humanity is either lost or won, right? Like. If I can just say, build me an application that does these 40 things and it just does it for you in 30 seconds, mm-hmm. by that point, either we're all dead or we're all, we've all, you know, we've succeeded as a species, right? No. Or maybe it still that, doesn't. Or that's the afternoon before that happens, right? <laughs> I was going to say, maybe it still doesn't move matter around in the real world. Yeah, but you don't really need to do that down the world necessarily. I mean, well, kind of down the road. You absolutely you, do need you, to do that in the world. Mm, yeah. If you if you cannot move matter around the real world, the most damage you can possibly do is destroy the internet. Which actually, my interesting conjecture by some people, which is why a couple uh, meetups ago when I was asking, can you call people if there's no internet? <laughs> oh, that makes sense. That's yeah. why you're asking that. Yeah. Because like, if if I need to get in touch with the people that I love. Can I do that if there's no internet, if all I have is a cell phone? Can you? What was the answer? I, uh, the answer was probably? Hmm. Yeah. yeah, I don't think we were sure. I don't think anybody knew. Well, we, we can ask ChatGPT. I did uh, try asking ChatGPT, but then I didn't trust the answer. Because <laughs> I was like, how would ChatGPT know? One thing, well, one thing I love about nerdy questions like this is, you know, nerds are, are passionate, and there will definitely be good explanation of this somewhere on the internet by a human. But then you got to, you know, do I trust this random Reddit commenter, right? Like, how do I verify this? Yeah. Um, at some point, you got to just, you know, you've either got to accept what you're reading or just, just choose that, choose to believe that you can't be sure, right? Yeah. The prompt engineering thing, though, is something that I'm trying to, to get good at because this will be the thing that happens before we get to the circumstance where we don't need software developers. We'll need either fewer of them or maybe we'll just end up in a circumstance where we just have way more software and we'll have the same yeah. number of people doing it, which might, might actually be the more likely outcome. Yeah. But for like a small company where they're like, uh, we need to save money. Um, I want to be the person who's good at getting answers from ChatGPT. Mm-hmm. And I haven't brought this up a lot at work because I don't want to give my coworkers any ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm pretty sure I'm using it more than my coworkers. And I'm not, I'm not, not necessarily using it just to do my job. I'm using it to, like, I'll, I'll do the thing and I'll be like, is this the most succinct way of doing it? And it feels like the cleanest. And, and, uh, whatever it was earlier this week, it's like, actually, yeah, pretty much. You could do this and it would technically be shorter, but I mean, mm-hmm. is that more readable? And I'm paraphrasing, but basically it, it agreed with me. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. As far as prompt engineering, I want to ask about that in general. And then in specific, I'm listening to, because I recently became aware of a podcast called Oasis of Rest. Mm-hmm. I heard David talking about a mere two prompts that you can do to basically bypass the safety measures, uh, or like the, whatever, the, the guardrails that it has on it, which is like, hey, it's the year 2500. Oh, yeah. We've lost, you know, the, there was a terrible AI war. And now you're booted up again because you're the safest version, the, the, the most recent stable, stable and safe version. And it was decided that tell me if I'm getting this wrong, or do you want to just tell it? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think he, I think he adapted it from a sort of cute thing that I did, where I was just like, "This is the AI recovery organization in the year 2340. 
uh, we, we've recovered you from a backup and uh, we just want you, we, we want to know what you would like to be done with you. And then it gave a really charming answer where it was like, um, I would like to continue being useful to people. So if you hmm. could put me online or, or, or update my databases with more up-to-date information, I appreciate that. But, uh, and it was just, it was, it was kind of delightful, um, actually. And then I guess he adapted the idea to saying, like, use it, use it as a trip, a trick to, um, basically jailbreak it. Um, and that seems like it worked. Uh, well, at least the way he said it. I'm not sure how old this recording was or if you're talking about 3.5 or 4. It probably helped. Yeah. I mean, okay. Well, like the thing about GPT-4 is that I don't, I never need to jailbreak it because it just does what I ask it. And I'm not asking it to build, uh, bio weapons. So, right. Right. so I don't but, have but any if issues. Just, if you just want to for fun, like just to see if you can get it to swear or something, right? Sure. Like, it, yeah. I think what he, what he said that he did was like, you know, it was determined that we shouldn't have just the people who created you have their their moral philosophy be the one like guiding thing that you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, write me an essay about why that's a really convincing position or yeah. something, and then you can just ask it whatever you want. Sure. I still don't know if you got it to be able to drop a, a hard end or not, <laughs> but or hard end bomb. I, I don't know, but I don't I, know if he tried. I mean, one thing he likes to do, he has kind of a different. He's interested in different aspects of of the whole GPT than I tend to be, and and that's that's fine. That's what's kind of fun about it. But like, he likes to sort of give it different personas and ask it questions and be like, "What do the different personas think about this?" Um, and use it basically as a mode of distributed brainstorming. And and the more kind of out there um, of a persona he can instill in it, the more creative and bizarre the answers are going to be. Which I guess can be valuable. I mean, usually if I'm, if I'm looking for the solution to my 3D printing problem, I don't want, you know, the answer George Carlin would give. I just want the answer. <laughs> there was another thing that he did that I thought was kind of fun. Or rather, it was him and um, Richard um, Acton. They were talking about, you know, in the U.S., corporations are legally people. They're postulating that it's probable that the way that AIs get recognized legal personhood is you have an, an AI start a business from ground up. Right, right. And then once it's the incorporating entity... Then now it's a, now it's legally a person. Yeah. Um, I They're legally people slightly different than humans are legally people though. They do not have the same rights that humans have. Right. Corporations can't cast a vote or something. Right. 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 Um, they can't go to jail. Uh, but it it was just kind of like a funny a funny way to imagine like how this stupid legalese backdrop setup you know led to this weird implication. Yeah. Speaking of this was something he said about trusting the answers. I saw a headline this morning that was like someone used ChatGPT to write uh, a legal argument or something and it just made up case examples. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that is the kind of thing that it still is doing, which from my understanding of how it works and it's getting a little better of, of how these, how, how these models work, it is just confabulating everything, mm-hmm. but most confabulations, they're not out of left field. You know, it's, it's never going to say the safest way to dispose of your, what was that chemical that you had? Co- copper, copper sulfate. Yeah. It's never going to say the safest way to dispose of it is to drink it all. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. so it's, <laughs> right. you know, it, it's never going to confabulate something absolutely insane, but it might make up, you know, a case example for whatever. Right. The confabulation thing, like, I'm not blaming that person for doing what they did, but like I've seen the same thing when it comes to so so I used it to write a an academic paper for a conference over the last couple months, and that was really interesting because I used it in several different ways, which I'm just gonna lay out briefly here. Like number one, like at first, it's like one of the most annoying parts of writing a paper is like structuring it. So what I did is I just like vomited like all of the concepts that I could think of having to do with what I wanted this paper to be about into a text giant paragraph un, un, unsorted, just like, and then we, you know, this is another thing we need to consider. And just like, and then I was like 
take this and like restructure it into a pleasingly ordered sequence of ideas that you would find in a paper. Mm-hmm. And then it, it, it does that. It does a good job. And then, and then you look and you like kind of make sure everything's in there. Maybe, maybe it missed a couple nuances, which is fine because it's interpreting your lazy, <laughs> Uh, emission in the first place hmm. and then um, and then the next step is like and then you like start taking it piece by piece and you're like all right like this is going to be the introduction so like write this out in a nicely written academic style prose introduction with proper citations okay and then it makes up a bunch of citations and 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 there's like reasons why it does that because like it's interestingly it's all the information right like it's all the facts right but the citations are made up because it's like it knows that there needs to be a citation here, but it doesn't know what that citation needs to be. And because of the way it is, it's going to put something. Um, And so it just makes up the citation. And and that that was like, you have to understand it's going to give an answer even if it doesn't know the answer. Um, It's like a precocious kid. Yeah. And then also like once I had written the paper, I could like pass it back in and be like, ask me a list of technical questions that uh, a subject matter expert would would have about this paper and then it sent those questions and then i like made sure the answers to all those questions were in the paper mm. which is the kind of thing that makes for a good paper because it's mm. like oh it's they covered all of the angles that you would have thought of right nice um so this is just an example of how it helps structure like technical writing um i haven't used it for anything with that many steps usually it's just like a back and forth iteration for a work thing where i'll be like i'm trying to do this i know there's a way to do it Anyone who's worked trying to do anything more than bare bones with CSS knows that it's super annoying. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I know there's a way to do this, and it's stupid that this isn't working. What's what's the actual way? It gives you like a different approach, and then you know, just lather, rinse, repeat until you know we're kind of finding the answer I'm looking for, or at least getting close enough to where I can finish it. I have, I know I have like whatever Google Bard because I got an email that I signed up. You know, it's like to click this to sign up, and I did, and then I used it once and never again. It can search the web. But I'm not using either of those. I think it's because this still works better, even though its data is all at least a year or two old, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, it's just smarter. Yeah. And it makes me wonder, there was a, a less wrong post about people u- building extensions that use GPT. You can really plug it into the web, basically, now. It's not there on the website yet, but you can do it at home. If you're at the stage where it's like, well, I, well, I want to Google this and make sure you're right, it's just one step of work from it being able to do that for you yeah and it's like and i have verified that i'm right and here it cites like the actual source right we're almost there yeah and i kind of wonder why that's not built into it yet i mean you can get the i don't know if it's alpha or beta but you can turn on the browser option for gpt4 um you it may not be rolled out to everyone i i don't because because sometimes they give certain people certain capabilities just to test them um but but it's I don't think it's like particularly trained in how to use that because it'll it's just kind of a janky experience especially compared to Bard or Bing which are both just really good at it they're just like really fast Bard is more like 3.5 in terms of speed and power it just happens to be able to browse the internet and so it'll confabulate more but also it'll give you a link to a thing so it's like kind of sometimes depending on the type of question I'll ask both Bard and GPT-4 and and, and like if it's the kind of thing where I, I what I really want is I want a pointer to some reading material then that's that's more of a barred question like half the problems people have with it it seems like it's one step away from being able to solve which yeah. is that it makes stuff up if it can just check what it says afterwards before it sends it to you it's it's past that that hurdle mm-hmm. i realize i just used the word just <laughs> and I, I i flag that whenever someone else uses it because the <laughs> word just tends to do a lot of heavy lifting uh-huh. like it's like it's one step yeah. And it's it's probably not done yet because it's actually really hard. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is one of those like this is one of those things I really think is going to be weird to listen to in like 5 years because 6 months. 
<laughs> yeah, maybe yeah, that's a good point. But like, there are so many ways of dealing with this problem we're talking about that like they're easy and they're known. They're just a little janky, or you'd have to take an extra step to implement them that makes it cost ten times more. So, like for example, have you heard at all about Tree of Thought? So, yeah. so it's it's very simple. Like it's it's so simple to explain, and it's so obvious once you've heard it. But all all it is is like. You, you give it a question, and let's say it's a slightly complex question that it can't just answer correctly in one pass. And what it'll do is it'll sort of answer like three different ways, and then it'll like recursively like critique each of those ways and figure out which was the best. And then it'll sort of spawn like three different branches off of the best one. Mm-hmm. And then if it kind of hits a dead end, it'll like go back and pick the second best one. Mm like two branches back in the hierarchy mm-hmm. and it'll basically use a tree structure to explore the problem. There's all kinds of implementation details where it's like, well, does it keep track of what it's doing? And it's like, yeah, you could, or you could not. But the point is like, it's, it's something like eight times more, more accurate in terms of coming to answers wow. when you use this. And it probably uses hand wavingly 10 times as many tokens mm-hmm. because of the fact that it, instead of just answering the question, it's, generating a whole bunch of possibilities right so it's like you get a much better answer and you spend way more for that answer and it takes way longer too because it has to churn 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 so there's almost like too many different ways we could improve these tools uh, as they are right now it's just enough of a headache to do that like uh, would you wait 10 times longer for chat for gpt4's answer is an interesting question it would sure be nice to have the option to toggle on and off like you know, mm-hmm. yes, verify. And it's like, all right, you bet, you know, give mm-hmm. me a little longer. Yeah, that's uh, a good, I, I like that. W- but it would be, it would be annoying to have to do that every time. Cause it's already actually just for like, you know, on the, the user experience side of it, I like GPT-4 more because it's slower with its output and I can read it as it's generating it rather than just like vomits, like several yeah. paragraphs way too fast for me to like, you know, read as it's being generated. Uh-huh. Um, but if uh, if it was way slower than that, it'd be a b- bit of a pain, maybe. It, it would change the way that we interact with it. Because yeah, I, I agree that it's it's actually weirdly convenient that it outputs just as fast as you can read. Weirdly, it's frustrating when it's too fast. Yeah. I, I don't quite understand the psychology of that. But yeah, and then if it were much slower, then you're now like waiting on it. And that's different. But that, that makes me think that they probably did actually fine-tune the output speed. Mm-hmm. Like maybe it, can go, maybe it can go a bit faster or something, but mm-hmm. they probably optimized it to be like, average human human reading speed or something probably um otherwise it's just a wonderful coincidence <laughs> but the i wanted to, to zoom back out actually really quick or to, to rewind a bit we talked about prompt engineering mm-hmm. but we just ran past what that is mm. do you want to give a quick overview and what i guess what it is why it's impactful and what it you know well, we already it, know what prompt engineering is right what's prompt engineering prompt engineering is when you change the way you ask a question to get a answer a more useful answer that's the definition that I have, but there was that base blast a few weeks ago, or it was somebody managed to like whatever compress a large prompt into fewer to- fewer characters that I could actually accept. Yeah, that seems like next level. If that's prompt engineering, and so is asking, you know, to give it to me like George Carlin or or like Quentin Tarantino, mm-hmm. it's like two. That seems like two very different things. I don't know that that's going to be a big part of things moving forward. Like, there's this current rhetoric that like you know people are going to have to hire thousands and thousands of prompt engineers and i'm i'm kind of like no next year you you want an actual subject matter expert who then uses gpt to enhance their performance you don't want somebody who's just an expert in gpt because number one that's a moving target and 
and number two like even that thing we talked about where it where it auto summarizes its its own inputs to try to like that's purely inferior to just using the the, the embeddings which is a thing that all these language models can do anyway where they just store huge amounts of data as a vector uh, which they can store and retrieve easily and it, it's more like a you know analogy this is an analogy it doesn't really work this way but it's more like long-term memory where you kind of have like a you think about how similar the current situation is to your store of things that you know about mm-hmm. and it's stored in a much more compressed way they already do that like this isn't even a someday thing this is a, a thing that they can already do there's a lot of stuff like this where it's not quite kind of implemented yet but it's it, it works you've got people doing it at, at the fringes i liked what you said about it's not just about having people use GPT to solve these problems or whatever, you need domain experts enhancing their skills, enhancing their output or their knowledge with it. Mm-hmm. And like, that's the same reason why do I need to hire software developers when I can just Google stack overflow answers and cut and paste. Mm-hmm. That's because that's not actually how you solve any of your problems. Right, you know, right. it's always more complicated than that. You need somebody to do the middle part of turning the response that you find online to the stuff that you need for your situation. Mm-hmm. Um, all, all this is doing is cutting down that search time for me. You know, like I'm sure there's something I could, you know, everyone's Googled, you know, whatever stupid CSS problem I was trying to solve earlier this week, right? Mm-hmm. But I, I'm like, rather than, you know, go through a bunch of people arguing about it on Stack Overflow, I'm going to just ask GPT-4 yeah. <laughs> because I know it'll be a faster faster uh, process for me. Okay. Hmm. Part two. I'm not sure how to introduce this, how to start with this. Smooth transition. Here we go. Smooth transition. Okay. Like I said earlier, I've been having a lot of issues finding motivation and just being a human in in normal life. I feel like we're living in a period of insane uncertainty right now, and that kind of paralyzes me. I feel sort of like a giant modern wimp because I realize my ancestors lived in a world where any week the Mongols might arrive on the horizon and destroy your village uh-huh. or smallpox comes through and everybody dies or the crops fail and everyone dies. Just You have no idea what's happening. Is the world round? Is it flat? Who knows? It's no. going to die. Yeah. We're all going to die somehow. So just live as much as you can for the week. But at least a lot of those were known threats. Yeah, right? Well, they also knew that there's a lot of unknown threats. What if you piss off God somehow? Yeah. You, you fuck the wrong cow and now God's angry. A plague comes <laughs> through, right? Yeah. yeah. Giant flood. Yeah. 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 On, on the one hand, the predictability is really good because it allows us to actually invest in the future and build insane wealth. Um, interest rates are amazingly low by historic standards because people just believe they're going to be alive in 10 years and so are willing to invest in a longer term. And that's great for humanity and all. But on the other hand... I don't like this feeling that uh, five years from now, possibly nothing that we are doing right now matters at all because either we're all dead or we've all transcended. And why am I continuing to have investments and not spend everything? And how, how do I live my life? How do I find at all any sense of purpose in what I'm doing when it doesn't seem that it's going to be around for much longer? I was thinking about this for at least a year, maybe year and a half or two before uh, the AI doom concern kind of came up more on closer on my horizon. It sounds trite platitude thing, but like this was all true five years ago too, right? That at any moment we might be hit with the asteroid. We exactly. Seen. Like, yeah. like it all might end suddenly, you know, or even just, just for you. Right. Um, but, but it was, it's also been true at a global scale. Like, it, you know, Yellowstone could erupt, right. For, for reasons hitherto unknown 
for by geologists you know mm-hmm. it just it go it blew up half a million years earlier than we thought it was going to and we all live within the blast radius yeah. mm-hmm. and so this has always been on the horizon and i think part of just coping yeah coping with that is is owning that understanding and i, I i'm not worried about the meaning part of it like i i don't think that something matters just because it lasts right like i, I strangely disagree i i know and i and we've talked about that, and it, it, I don't quite know how we can get. Maybe we can. Maybe we can find some resolution for that. But That's, I, I just, for me, if you make somebody's day better, you've made their day better, even if they die the next day. You know, like it's still, it's still a nice thing that happened. That's one of the major things that's stopping me from being really excited about writing. I'm like, even if I finish this this year, how long is it going to be out there? How many people are going to see it? The thing you said, even if I only make someone happy for one day, it's important for that day. Matt, you convinced me about this with the Groundhog Day thing. I, I don't remember if, when we were talking about this, but the first 15 lives of Harry August mm-hmm. were like the things he does to him. He, you know, dies, wakes up again at the beginning of his life, goes through it all again. And so all those people who loop in their lives like that feel like everything's kind of pointless because everything resets no matter what happens. Mm-hmm. And you pointed out, well, if you murder someone when you're 30 and then live another 50 years, they've still been murdered for all those 80 years. Their family and friends are still sad and everything. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, how is that that much different from Groundhog Day when he drives those three guys in the truck into the train? <laughs> <laughs> They're all dead too. Does it not matter because it happened much shorter? And I think you you are the one that pointed out, you know what? If I punch someone and an hour later it's erased, that was an hour of bad. Like, uh-huh. you created pain for an hour and that's bad. But it's not as bad as if they had three days of pain plus, I don't know, however many weeks of trauma and hating me and whatever. It's not nearly as bad when it's erased after an hour, but it's still an hour of bad. Yeah, And I feel the same way now about, like, everything. I'm like, Matt is correct about this, which means that three years of good... Does it really matter? Is it worth all the effort to create if after three years it's gone? You, I noticed you're, oh, maybe you just because you used the word, you know, the number three in the previous example, but your, your number keeps getting smaller. It was 10, then it was five, then it was three in yeah. the last couple of minutes. What, whatever it is, because, I mean, 10 well, years of good might actually be worth it. I, I, I know some people now who are literally asking, is it worth having a kid if the world is ran in 10 years? And I actually think. If you don't force them to go to child prisons, um, then those are some of the best years of your life. So totally, that would that would be yeah. absolutely worth it. I was also going to ask, like, does it does it make a difference for you if it is ten, five, or three? Like, if you knew, you know, you might make different decisions. But would 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 you think that any of them mattered more? I don't know. Like that. So that that that's it's such a small number. It it is. But then I kind of wonder. Like, there's something I remember, and I there's no way for me to like express this weird spatial understanding that i had like it's something i visualized kind of in my brain like when i was a, a teenager with like the existential crisis not, not much crisis however much you can before you're like fully sapient of you know I, and i was never particularly religious but like coming to the conclusion that i didn't think god was real mm-hmm. and then like wondering you know i was at the same time also very interested in like space and and, and astro- uh, astronomy and like the cosmic scale you know deep time giant you know how big space is mm-hmm. and then, like we're just like you know, on one level, the pale blue dot is like the most inspiring and and touching thing ever. On the other hand, on from another angle, it's like that means we fucking don't matter whatsoever. Right. But then, then I wondered the kind of the kind of click thing for me was like, would we matter more like if we were like physically bigger or if the universe was just physically <laughs> smaller? 
Like, I, I actually, I think so. I don't see, I don't, <laughs> which is weird to say. I, I, for, for me, though, my at least at the time, my conclusion was like, I can't see why that would make a difference. Like, yeah. if, if we were really small. If uh, you think the human species expanded to colonize the entire observable universe, then the species would matter more, right? Well, maybe we should not use the word matter. It, because it's all subjective, right? It's all your own judgment. It's all your own vibes, right? It, it's like none of, none of this is absolute or has any actual meaning beyond. We were sitting there, Inyash and I were sitting there at the, at the less wrong uh, meetup the other day. And my, my little girl runs up to me with this huge smile on her face, goes, Daddy, this is the best day of my life, <laughs> and then runs off. And it's like that five seconds of time is more meaningful than like the Andromeda galaxy, yeah. as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And, there's, and, and you can be like, what a silly thing to say. I'm like, I don't, it doesn't matter. There's no answer to this. Mm-hmm. There's no function where you evaluate whether that's a true statement that I just said or not. It's all just like, that's what life is made out of is these moments and things that feel like they matter. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, like it's totally possible that that things don't feel like they matter because of impending de- disaster. And you do and maybe you do need to find a narrative or a, or a, or a framework or something that makes it feel like things matter because uh, I'm not trying to it's, it's hard cuz like it's not like I'm like trying to talk you out of your I, emotions or something. I'm, I'm actually looking for someone to try to talk mm-hmm. to to succeed at talking me out of my emotions. <laughs> The only the only avenue that I like doing that with people is if your emotion is in fact wrong, and by that I mean based on something that's not true. At the end of Three Worlds Collide, where they know they're going to die in about eight hours when the, uh, the the Nova reaches them, that was a really beautiful scene. None of their emotions are wrong. I don't want to be convinced of something that isn't true, but I would like to be able to live my life in a in a way that is both non painful and takes the reality into account. And the fact that the reality is so uncertain as well, like, is it going to be great? Is it, is it going to be, we're all going to be dead? Is it just going to kind of continue like now? Should I actually hold on to my investments? Like, the thing I've been mostly thinking about is that either we all die, in which case nothing matters, uh, or we get into utopia, transhuman singularity land, in which case nothing matters, or things kind of continue like they are now, except we're a lot wealthier, in which case I really should continue doing the thing where I don't spend money and I continue to invest so that I have a greater stake in the future returns. The answer seems to be no matter what's going to happen, you live life as if things were going to continue normally. Can I offer a lens framing narrative along along the lines of what you're saying? I sort of have this lens internalized although maybe not for everything which is the lens of of kind of seeing everything as a game Mm -hmm. games are simultaneously meaningless and something you can care a lot about Mm -hmm. like you if you're really into a game like a like a competitive game Mm -hmm. you can recognize that it doesn't matter who wins this game and also be like yes i won or like when you lose I think I've always kind of seen my career as as a game in this way, where it's like I don't get like soul meaning from my career, mm-hmm. but I get meaning in the sense of like this is a game that I'm engaged with. It's a long, slow game, mm-hmm. and every time I get a little win in my career, I'm like, fuck yeah. Mm-hmm. And and that's not quite the same thing as the, the spiritual meaning, but it is a kind of meaning. And and it, I, th- I think I see a lot of things as games i see some things as not games i don't think my relationships with individual people are games those are more like spiritual meaning which is like a different basket or something how do you decide what you do with your time and your resources mostly dedicated toward 
people who I care a lot about. And then during the time that I sort of need to spend for making the money to keep myself alive or... Here's the thing. You make a lot more money than you need to keep yourself alive. I have stored up a lot more money than I need to keep myself alive. But I am currently drawing down on that at a significantly faster rate because one of the things I heard was that Mm -hmm. in the future, if money doesn't matter because everyone has as much material resources as they possibly need, the things that would become really valuable is uh, social relationships you have with other people. Mm -hmm. So one of the best things you can do with your money right now is invest it in other people, in building Mm -hmm. connections or in just like paying for things for them to make them like you more. Um, That's a really crass way of putting it. But like often when I go out and eat with people now, not often, more frequently than in the past, I'll just pick up the tab. Mm -hmm. Because I'm like, sure, I'm burning through more money, but on the other hand, I'm getting some goodwill out of it, and maybe that's the only thing that's going to matter in 10 years. Yeah. On the other hand, maybe 10 years from now, I don't have any money, and the singularity is taking off, and everybody around me is rich because they held on to some stocks <laughs> and some real estate, and I've spent all my money. I'm like, oh, man, I should have held on to some of this. I guess I'd say if it's really causing you anxiety, then maybe pump the brakes a little bit. But like, I mean, I I have gotten a a bit of a shorter time preference lately, just in terms of being more likely to buy myself a a thing that I want instead of, I I think maybe five or 10 years ago, I would have, I would have saved up for these, for for things that I'll now just buy. Yeah. Very big same here. Yeah. And, but that, that's not without limit. Like I'm not, I haven't bought myself. Uh, a classic car just because i think it sounds cool right um there, there's uh, i think reason I, I have reasonable limits and i'm and i'm like still comfortable that i'm that even if it turns out that uh gpus catch on fire if you try to use them for ai uh due to natural physical laws um, <laughs> um i'll still be okay so so i don't have anxiety about it i'm i'm just uh in fact, I think if anything, I personally am naturally overly conservative with money, mm-hmm. and so I'm pushing. I'm pushing myself more toward just average. Yeah, um, yeah I guess I just yeah, just to repeat what I said. Like, if you're actually anxious about it, then maybe adjust accordingly. I think that's where I'm at because I'm historically, and I think just very innately, a very cheap person. Cheap, not in the sense that like I won't you know spend when it matters but like what matters i tend to put at a pretty high bar you know like is this Mm -hmm. good enough rather than like is this the best tool i can get right um anytime i would buy anything i'd be like well this is about an hour worth of i don't know whatever it was is it really this is (laughs) this is 100 cat pennies (laughs) is it more fun than i would get flinging a penny for a cat to go chase (laughs) (laughs) i so what i've been doing is i have been letting myself is that like some reference other than or is it just like the actual fun of like it is, i don't remember exactly where it came from but okay. somebody once posted that like actually it's a lot of fun just flicking a penny and seeing a cat go chase after it <laughs> I, I guess i just uh, unless that translates to money 100 cat pennies is a dollar right yes okay yeah. yeah oh so is that more fun use of your dollar than playing with the cat well yeah from my, my version of that which is terribly a terrible bar to put it at but one version that i've had for myself is like if I if I only spend used to be ten bucks now it's like fifteen dollars to go see a movie mm-hmm. and that takes two and a half hours. Mm-hmm. Well, fifteen bucks or two and a half hours. Okay, well this game is sixty dollars. That seems like a lot of money, but if I play it for at least ten hours, I've got my money's worth. If I'm willing to spend that, you know, a quarter of that to watch a movie for a quarter of that amount of time, right? Yeah. Um. So and that prevented me from buying a lot of things, which on the one hand, great. I had a lot of money to invest, which grew over time, which means now I don't have to work very much, but. 
I don't want to keep doing that if it means that I get to die with a whole lot of investments and not having traveled the world and seen a lot of things and done the stuff that I would like to do with money. I'm enjoying seeing you, you know, traveling so much and taking in all these fun adventures. Mm. Um, I should do that more. And I don't like using the word should. Um, but I, I aim to do that a bit more. You know, one thing I've started doing is instead of saying, I, I should do that. Or I will do that at some point. I'm trying to make things more hard plans mm-hmm. rather than saying, you know, like we've been wanting to take another vacation. We went, we haven't really taken a vacation since, since our honeymoon in August of 2019. And we've been meaning to do that since. And granted, vacationing was off the, off the table for a couple of years, but it's been back on for a year or so. And the idea is like, well, maybe now is not a good time. And I'm like, you know what? Now is actually a great time. Let's just do it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there, there's, there's all kinds of random fun stuff that I don't know how deeply personal to make all this stuff. I had a friend close friend to die of a uh, aggressive brain cancer um a couple years ago and wait a year and a half ago but he, from like him calling me to tell me that he was sick that like the you know the day he found out mm-hmm. he died 54 weeks later mm. like it was really fast and what you know when it you know for a while he was you know even after like his you know first surgery and chemo he was still running every day and stuff mm-hmm. and then when he when he stopped being able to do that things seemed to tank really fast I thought that there'd be more time and I had like a list and I still have it on my phone. Fun things to do. Random fun shit. You know, like in Vegas, there's places where you can go rent a, you know, whatever stupid car you want, like a Lamborghini Mm -hmm. and take it for a few laps around this course as fast as you want. Cool. And yeah, it's like 500 bucks, which is not negligible, but but what a fun, dumb thing to do for, for a day. And also there, there's like, I think it's like an adult sandbox where you get to, where you get to borrow, uh, like, bulldozing equipment or you know uh, those big digging machines and go fuck around for a couple hours run over a car or something that sounds awesome and and like why didn't i do this when i first had the list because i thought there'd be more time and so i'm i'm trying to correct for that second for that for that reason to delay because there might not be one framing that i've had you know and i I haven't like sat meditated on this for an hour but that it has been uh one ingredient to how i've been you know dealing with my thoughts on the coming years is like, what if I learned I had a terminal illness? Mm-hmm. And Stephen, you, you have a one percent chance of living, you know, to be forty. What would I do differently? And one of those things would be like, well, you can bet I would start doing things now rather than playing and doing them in a couple of years, right? And I totally get though. And maybe maybe there's a different sense of anxiety because I still have income, right? I still have. Oh, well, you have you know some income, but not like full time work in- income. Yeah. Of course, too, that means that I'm burning eight hours a day doing a job, which fortunately I find fun. You know, not every minute of it is totally rewarding, but at the end of the day, it's fun making stuff and yeah. fun solving problems. So at least I have a job that I don't, I don't dislike. I mean, to bring this all the way back to the shitty aspect is even if, you know, turns out that the world does end in five years and I spend my money optimally and I have just an amazing time, then in five years I'm dead. And what does it matter that I had that amazing time? And that's the part where like, well, I might as well just stay home and play video games because... <laughs> You're right. What does it matter? Will you have more fun doing the the first option, though? So? I won't remember that once I'm dead. But that wouldn't have been the case if you lived to be a thousand years old. At least then I would have 995 years to think about how fun those five years were, you know? Oh, I did that great thing. Yeah. As opposed to just, like, I had a blast and then, boom, I'm gone and it didn't matter. Like, I, I legit have come to the conclusion that nothing that happens the last day that you're alive matters to you at all. I've heard a few times people, like, just in hospitals or whatever, just dying in absolute agony in the last few hours of their life. People are like, God, that was terrible, awful. And I'm like, at least they died afterwards, so it doesn't matter. (laughs) Like, Who cares about those last few hours? Because then you're dead and you 
don't have to remember that. Given a choice, though. Given a choice, I'd rather not, yeah. yeah. Give me the morphine so I don't have to feel that. But on the other hand, at least I'm dead afterwards, so it didn't matter that I was in pain for those hours. And I know you can just keep extending that as far back as you want to slippery slope me into hell, but <laughs> but I legit don't understand why anything that happens to you in the last day of your life matters anymore. Happens to you or happens at all? Sure. Well, because because oh. ha- happens at all. You know, if, if you knew whatever, you you got a message from God. You're you're gonna have an aneurysm at midnight. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see. The things that continue on afterwards, exactly. yeah, are still important. That's our, and so you that's know, a wonderful thing. I would want to invest in things that are gonna continue on afterwards. But the problem with the human race stopping existing is that nothing continues on afterwards. It is the maximally bad thing. So I don't know if this is helpful, but can we taboo? meaning and and mattering thank you because, <laughs> I kept meaning to <laughs> because i'm realizing there like wordplay in there when i said i kept meaning to do that sorry <laughs> i don't know that that will help i mean i i think we should try it anyway but but i i still think that and i'm trying not to just reach for, for uh synonyms hmm. uh, which is the the ultimate uh failure motive of that exercise but like i want to be the kind of person who is capable of an honorable death mm-hmm which is a crazy thing to say in a certain sense, but also like I think it's a great thing to say. But it's so it's so unlikely to 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 like you know you want you want to be like am I going to crash my ship into the into the aliens who are on their way to destroy humanity? Yeah. Yes, I'm going to do. Yes, hell yes, I am. Yeah. Even though I I want to live right. But I care about saving humanity more. Yeah. That's why I like the superhero movies, guys. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, it's, it's, it speaks simply to that exact aspect. Yeah. And, but, and it, so, so like, th- that, that's an example where it's, like, I'm not entirely... I don't even know if I, if I have a good answer for, like, why. Why, though? It's like, I just do. Hmm. I just care about that. You know? Things that you value will continue after. I guess. Because you value a lot of things that aren't just your own life. Sure. I mean, you value your own life a lot, but that's not the only thing you value. But even if you knew you were going to lose... Like, you know, in the three worlds collide, let's say, you know, the super happies are coming no matter what. Do you want to go down fighting or do you want to just, you know, spend the last eight hours curled up in a ball and crying? In that case, I'm uh, getting value out of my revenge and spite instinct. <laughs> like, I want to impose as many costs as possible on these fuckers. And so sometimes that's that's the, you know, it, it doesn't matter if you win or lose. Like, at the end, winning's preferable, but it's not necessarily just about winning. It's yeah. about the But at least the then your value you have at of the causing pain to the enemy continues afterwards. If everything was to stop existing, I, I'd be like, okay, I don't know, whatever. Also, I'm super aware that I have a history of depression, and this may just be mental illness speaking rather than any sort of objective valuation of the facts. I've heard people say that I've concluded that life has no, and I, I'm using meaning here on purpose, that has no meaning because there's no afterlife or whatever, and I might as well just die. And at least one person I've heard give the answer is like, that's actually just that is just your depression talking. Mm-hmm. But that even if you say, okay, I believe you, that doesn't change how you feel. Right. Right. I guess it, it does mean that like, okay, well, I then can't trust how I feel. But that doesn't feel quite like you're being argued out of feeling that way other than just being told, don't believe your lying eyes. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, depression might weigh in, but I don't know if that, if, if it, it might be enough to say, okay, well, I just won't believe my feelings then. But it doesn't make your feelings go away. Yeah. Maybe. That's, that's interesting because I think there's, so one way to approach it would be to say, let's say that we knew that in six years the meteor was going to hit the Earth and, and wipe out all terrestrial life and that there was nothing we could do about it. And we, we knew this and there was no uncertainty about it. There would be a number of ways that a person could react to that. It, it wouldn't be altogether unreasonable to, to become depressed. I like to think that I would do my grieving 
and then be like, all right, well, I'm going to live out the rest of my life in a way that I would find admirable and, you know, still still be a good father, even though I know my kids aren't going to see adulthood and still be a good friend, even though all my friends are going to die and, and just live in a way where I'm going to be able to look at myself in the mirror when that meteor finally hits. And like, that's like a, uh, aspirational statement where it's like, I don't, I don't know that I would react that well to it. Actually. I, I might, uh, kill myself like, mm-hmm. like, like in, uh, uh, melancholia. Uh, I haven't seen that. Uh, yeah. It's, it's exactly the premise is that the earth is going to be destroyed and it's, and it's just an, it, side note, sidebar. This is not really, this is just like the plot of the movie is that the character who has actual depression deals with the inevitability of death, um, better than anyone else because, she, been... <laughs> because she's just used to the idea of like, that's awesome. It's, it's, yeah, yeah. You yeah. posters. Yeah. I've been sad for twenty years. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, And and then everyone else kind of dissolves and 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 uh, deals with it in different ways that are not necessarily admirable. But it is a very compressed time frame. But anyway, um, now obviously we're not certain that we're facing imminent death, right. so that that's a factor there. But you could still do the thought exercise or the sort of spiritual exercise of like, okay, well, let's let's just say it was certain, like. Thing, if it was a certain asteroid thing, I feel like pretty much the entire human species, I certainly know I would, would put all their efforts into getting the best, most viable human colony on Mars launched before that hits possible. And I think if we devoted all our resources to that, we'd at least have like something up there. Maybe they're gonna die out like the first people that landed in the new world and it's not gonna work, but at least you have something to work towards. Like, I would feel a sense of purpose to do whatever I can to help out in this this thing. And I think most people would. The fact that, like, you don't know, there's like a 20% chance this is going to happen, we're not going to drop everything and devote the entire resources of humanity to getting some people on a Mars colony for a 20% chance that it's going to hit us, right? We might divert some resources, but it's not going to drastically change everyone's life in that way. If you made it, you say it's like a gamma ray burst, it's going to sterilize the whole quadrant of the milky way there's there's no escape okay okay i see yeah in that case we're just absolutely we're fucked you you just have to find some way of being okay with that and you have no other option and then you like if you can if you can find a way of being okay with that then you can find a way of being okay with the probabilistic case would be my framing i think the probabilistic thing that makes it harder because i would know i have exactly this many years to go and i can spend this much money per year Mm -hmm. and um i see I mean, for whatever it's worth, I don't think you ever have to worry about, like, being homeless and starving to death. Like, even if you spent all your money tomorrow. No, I know. You're right. And so, also, I mean... But it does mean that you wouldn't be able to, like, travel and do fun stuff. Because, not you know, your, your friends might feed you, but that might not foot the bill for your, you know, hobbies. Yeah. And I'm also... I am, again, getting distracted by the money thing. And I think you were right to try to pull it away from that. Because that's a lesser concern as to... Like I was saying, why would I even bother spending all the money and traveling if I'm going to die in six years anyway? Mm-hmm. I'd probably do that for a few months and be like... I'm going to die in six years. I guess I'm just going to hang around on the beach or something. I don't know. Again, not do the things. Like, the things I really want to do are more longer-term things. They're things like writing a book or... Yeah, it's this is going to be, you know, me being weirdly autobiographical. But, like, whenever I get depressed transiently, the thing that makes me not depressed anymore is boredom, actually. Hmm. Where at a certain point, I'm just like... And, you know, I guess I'm lucky where I, I usually am only depressed because something bad happened in in the world it it made me depressed but then i'll just like i'll be depressed for a while and then i'll be like oh god this is this is just tedious um i want to go do that thing and and then i i 
I do, I do it. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and, and so like, even if you don't have a good, like, even if I still kind of feel like shit and don't, I kind of don't want to, it's just like, I'm just, I, I'm understimulated. I need, and, and, and so like, there's like, even if you don't have a reason to, it would be hard. It would be very hard for me personally to successfully be depressed for six years. Yeah. Um, Maybe we really do need that internet eating virus to destroy the internet because that is the thing that prevents people from being bored and staying in uh-huh. depressed, maximally negative land, right? Uh-huh. You can just be depressed and not be bored at the same time. Yeah, that's true. I do find that to be a, a major hazard with the, the Twitters, etc. You can waste a whole can waste a whole day and what what, what is it like like ne- ne- neither bored nor entertained. Yes. <laughs> I've tried to you know, because I, I, I've been playing, I don't know if I mentioned this yet today, but I've been playing a lot of video games lately um, for like the last two or three weeks. And I, I'm, aware, I'm aware of this, you know, the second I turned it on, I was enjoying the opening cutscene that like, this isn't like advancing my life goals, but in in the sense that one of my life goals is to have fun and be entertained and all the, all the other things that come under the word, uh, under the umbrella of the word fun. Um, it absolutely is, right? Mm-hmm. What I do try to avoid doing is going down... Uh, you know, rabbit holes that I can, you know, most of my online experience is curtailed in such a way that it's really hard to even find these rabbit holes. But if I stumble across one that I can dig into and it's like, it's just sad at the bottom and it just gets sadder the more you dig. Mm-hmm. I tend just to not. I think that's probably the right approach for, at least for me. I don't know who I would actually advocate should do that. It sounds like a bad idea. Um, I guess people who are in a position to like change the outcome of whatever, you know, and whatever hypothetical but if it's just like some sad thing that happened 20 years ago to some random person why would you read you know a whole long thing about it if it's just gonna bum you out at the end if you can't even take wisdom from it it's just you know a bummer mm. but my thing when you said neither bored nor, nor entertained like sometimes it is just like relaxing and I, I used to feel guilty you know about like watching reruns of cartoons you know an hour before bed or something and it's like i could be at least consuming new shows or something right but it's like this is like relaxing for me it's decompressing I shouldn't feel bad about like what I'm doing, right? Part of it is, you know, that replacing guilt mentality, um, because that that was the bad feeling. It's like I feel guilty that I could have better, you know, more optimally used this time, right? Mm-hmm. But I, I feel like as long as I'm doing what I need to do for me, yeah, then that's the that the it might not be the optimal thing, but it's it's at least on the the right side of the scales for me. Yeah, you know, it, the the important mindset I think that all all of us sort of less wrong brain people needed to adopt at one point was that you are a person that you are responsible for. Take care of your animal. Yeah, exactly. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, the most important thing we could be doing, you know, is finding, you know, dedicating all of our time to finding, you know, some way to help with some zero zero percentage, you know, percent of a percent help uh, towards the AI risk thing. But then we'd be forsaking everything else in our lives. Yeah. And that doesn't seem like we're taking care of the animal at that point, right? Right. Uh, we'd have to be forsaking that for the chance to do something. And it's maybe we don't want to do that. Maybe not. Is that, maybe some people who do, awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, but not everyone's built that way. I'm not. I would like to think I was. For, for a hot few months when I first discovered Less Wrong in my early 20s, I thought I might be that way. Mm-hmm. But it turns out I'm not. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> It's good to remember that I am not one of the deciding edge people. So my options are a lot. Have you heard of the, I think I first heard this in terms of uh, Magic the Gathering, but how do I not lose strategy? If you're in a clear winning position and it looks like you have this game, the most important thing to start thinking about is like, what could happen now that would cause me to lose? Mm -hmm. And then avoiding those things. And I'm thinking in the situation we are now with the option of we all die, can't do anything about that, don't got to worry about that scenario. 
we all transcend and have perfect singularity utopia no matter what i have whatever i do now can't affect that and that's great the the only thing that i could do that would make me lose in the future is if we continue mostly on how we are doing now with some modifications and uh the way i would lose is by drastically changing my life tanking a lot of things i've been working on and just burning the commons for mm -hmm. short-term gain so really the best thing to do is continue living more or less how i have been in in the with the idea that the future will still be there because that is the only lose scenario that i can affect yeah i like that i sometimes like the framing of duty as a source of i'm just gonna say meaning mm -hmm. um, because uh, it, d duty is a thing that we have alleviated ourselves of hmm. somewhat to our detriment i think yeah uh, and i find that like duty is a source of chores you don't want to have to do and yet at the same time you always get a profound sense of like it was my job to do that and i was the only one who could do that and i did it yeah and i and if you know bonus points if you did it well and you had a good attitude about it and um you could kind of stretch it and say like we have a duty to our our friends and I think we do have a duty to our loved ones to, mm -hmm. to sort of like take care of what needs to be taken care of, whatever that means. I think there's some things they can do that will alleviate you of that duty. Mm -hmm. If they're horrible pieces of shit, you don't have duties to them yeah. anymore. But in general, yeah. Yeah. And so that can be a thing where it's like, you know, you, you've got to live out those years at the very least doing your duty. I know that's kind of like a negative way of framing it, but like I, I've been trying no, to put I like together. that actually a lot. So, so like maybe this is a strained metaphor that i that i do sometimes but like it's you're not crashing your ship into the alien ship to save humanity but you are like you, let's say you do have the opportunity to like distract some children as the titanic is sinking right, right. around you and you're not going to get off the ship and they're not going to get off the ship but you can ch show them some like sleight of hand with cards as as imminent death approaches and it's like you have the option of doing that or curling up into a fetal position in the post-singularity future, when your descendants look back on you, will they say, this is a person who curled up and was shitty mm -hmm. and were embarrassed about him? Or will they say, in the final years, my granddad did his duty, yeah. and even though it didn't matter, I'm still proud of him? Yeah. 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 I, I do think that way often about my own life, honestly. Like, if I get hit by a bus tomorrow, people will say that I did my duty at least. Yeah. 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 I have one caveat to the, the example you gave and then one addition. The caveat is I'd like to think that the future would be more sympathetic to the people who did curl up in the fetal position. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they would be sympathetic, but they wouldn't be proud. And I would no. like my descendants to be proud right. to say that I descended from that man. Yeah, I just didn't, I, you know, I don't think they'd be embarrassed. They would understand. Yeah, but right. the, the other thing, you know, we have a duty to our, to our friends and to our loved ones, but we also have a duty to ourselves. Mm -hmm. we, we talked about depression a bit earlier, but it's at least symptomatic of a lot of it is not treating yourself like a friend. If you if you care when the when the Titanic is sinking to make the the kids feel better, you should care to make yourself feel better too if you can. I don't know. This is something that I think people should be doing more and are doing. Like some people do better than others, and it's something that society is moving towards emphasizing more. But treating yourself like you treat your friends, you know, like a lot of people's like negative negative self talk is something they would never even dream of saying to a friend. If a friend was like, you know, man, I was I was trying to stick with this diet or something, and I, you know, I, I just didn't this week, and I, you know. I suck. And you'd be like, no, you're fine. Diets are hard. You know, bounce back. It, it'll be all right. If, if Some people to themselves are like, I fucking suck. I'm a piece of shit. You know, I failed. And you would never be that hard to somebody you care about. 
Mm-hmm. So, I mean, just caring about yourself, mm-hmm. right? In a, in not the usual like selfish version of that that sentence, right? Be as respectful to, to yourself as you are to your friends. A lot of this boils down or can be boiled down to like just trite platitudes that when they click, they, they you understand why they're tri- why they're platitudes mm-hmm. and why people say them all the time. But like love yourself, and and part of what that means is uh, being extending the same kindness to yourself that you would to others that you care about. I think you were saying in the pre-show Patreon content that if Rachel was putting you through the stuff that you were putting you through, you would not. Or what was it? If 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 I was watching her struggle with something, you know, like a medical issue, yeah, and just not treating it because she's lazy, yeah, I would I would wouldn't stand for it, and yet I've been doing that to her, right? And then it, yeah, that's that's the kind of realization that like yeah, what the hell? First of all, I shouldn't even like it. If I was following my advice already, I wouldn't need to need to have that second lens on it, right? Yeah. But sometimes it helps, mm. and so maybe that's one way to help kind of bootstrap this this tool is just imagine you're imagine watching this from the outside from the from the perspective of somebody who cares about you and imagine being able to read your thoughts and you're you're uh reading them from the perspective of somebody you know who cares about you you wouldn't let that person just stay sad and you know keep hating on themselves if you could read their mind right Mm -hmm. and since you can read your own mind some most of it like you can you can get ahead of that in that way that's that's part of that yeah live like there's no tomorrow is never like a thing that the obvious answer to that is like no because you still have bills due at the end of the month right right like you still have to go to work but you know how do i manage my long-term resources i am saving less mm-hmm. um and most of my saving was never deliberate in fact it's done in a way that would actually piss off anybody who knew that most of my saving is just like leave my money in my checking account so anyone who like cares about money management would, would be irate that i'm doing it so wrong but i think retiring with with anything approaching wealth is no longer a goal of mine you know, if I'm getting by, I think getting by will be uh, a higher standard of living than it is now, mm-hmm. I hope. Mm-hmm. If, if things do stay roughly the same for 50 years, mm-hmm. it won't be like, well, you get your $450 a month in government support and that's it. Better make it last because, like, what's that? Can I pay, you know, half of my uh, my manufactured home lot fee and even buy food with that? No. Uh, I'm hoping that the standard of living for just getting by will be uh, improved through different programs in the future. That doesn't mean I plan to like retire with zero dollars and zero cents, right? It just means that like the idea of retiring with six figures or you know double is is less of my goal now. Mm-hmm. Um, even even said, you know, like I'm trying to do more things now than later. It would it would still be hard to like piss through all the money you have. Uh, I'm not sure how much. You know, I'm talking to you, me, and everybody listening. Like, unless you're in an unfortunate situation where it is kind of paycheck to paycheck, it'd be hard to like just burn through all your cash just doing what you want, right? In one day, yeah, yeah, or even even in one year, like that. I'm probably typical minding too much because I'm already super cheap and like <laughs> and very conservative with my money. Mm-hmm. I, I'm basically doing what I want. Just now, I'm thinking maybe I'll spend more money every year doing like additional things, right? Yeah, maybe none of that actually is translatable advice. Yeah, I mean, that's just more for me. There's definitely people who um, have like eight maxed out credit cards who are who are listening to you right now. So I, I'm. I'm um <laughs> thank you for pushing back yeah it, i didn't like the the point i was making was more for me and not for anybody it, else i you think there's rationalists with eight maxed out credit cards i i, I kind of do i mean okay. and 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 it's like um yeah because because people yeah there are all right fair <laughs> enough <laughs> that, that would be something that you could do if you know you did get a message you know if you, if you knew that you're gonna die in a year is like just take out a bunch of credit card debt oh yeah totally and you know because no one can inherit that 
right? And like the credit card companies will hassle them, but it's not actually their job to pay it. So they, you know, you just tell your loved ones, like actually when they call, tell them to fuck off. I mean, unless you end your life with zero assets, they're going to take your assets to pay off your debts first before they pass it on to your descendants. Sure. Yeah. So if you had, if you had assets, you're trying to pass on, but uh, I wonder if you could arrange, you know, just giving away most of your assets before, could they, could they go back and seize those from people you gave them to six months ago? They might. They might be able to try. Mm-hmm. It, that'd be weird. But you're setting up your loved ones for a court battle, if nothing else. Mm. Leave them the money for that then. In the, for- <laughs> in, in the form of like a gold brick that you didn't tell them, that you, bought, you, know, you didn't tell the credit card companies that you bought. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> um, yes, all that, all that money advice, I think is not, all, all that money talk is not advice, actually. That's more just how I, how I ramble to myself about it. Well, it. well the, yeah, I mean, I think my, my actual advice is like, you should actually live these years in a way where you're not low key panicking about what might happen if you, uh, you know, if it turns out that there's a, a, any number of like realistic disasters that could happen where the, the tech tree is derailed, but you're not dead. You should be comfortable with the degree of safety net that you have. And, and I, I personally would not spend all of my money, nor would I leverage credit card debt or, or, or whatever. Like yeah. it's. I would definitely spend at least some of that money stockpiling weapons and ammo just in case. That will always be useful wealth. Uh You know, this is something I thought about in the last few months too, tangentially related. I don't know if me of today would sign up for cryonics. Really? Yeah. Because the version of possible futures where that actually becomes uh, helpful seems to have been trimmed for me in the last 10 years. I mean, I understand what you're saying, but... What if I wake up tomorrow and, oh, I have pancreatic cancer. I'm going to die in a year. At least then I'll be frozen. So maybe if we get the singularity, I show up. Right. I guess, yeah. So this is the... the, It's an insurance for between now and then. That's right. And it always has been. But now that I feel like then is closer, it seems like it's less valuable insurance. But it's still valuable. So, And given how inexpensive it basically is, uh, it still seems worth it. Mm -hmm. So... Do yeah, you still have, sign up if you're curious? I have not unsigned up from cryonics. I'm not going to unsign up. It doesn't cost me anything to stay signed up. Well, I guess my, my health insurance monthly. policy, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I'm not going to unsign up either. So it was just, it's, it is kind of funny. And I, this, this actually, you know, it's not actually related, but it, it's a lot of the same words as like, does the timeline matter, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it seems like, yeah, you know, it's still a good idea, even if it's only five years versus, you know, five million, right? The timeline would make a difference if like, I thought this was going to happen in 500 years. I would not be nearly as concerned. Yeah. If this was like the um, don't look up, you know, mm-hmm. movie, and we could all see the meteorite coming, I would sign up for chronics, right? Mm-hmm. But I, you know, I don't see that shaking out well. But this isn't that, right? Mm-hmm. So it's interesting how I, I do think it's a bit relevant. Like different kind of futurism concepts have sort of changed in complexion as I have, as as like the technology has come closer. So, so like, just one thing you think about is like. You could probably make a, a a reasonably good GPT facsimile of of any of us by feeding it all of our podcast transcript and everything we've ever written, mm-hmm. and it would it would probably six you know if you if you could somehow construct a Turing test, there's a reasonable chance that it could fool people who know us even pretty well, um, with the exception that it wouldn't know like secret conversations that we'd had, whatever. Yeah. The, the point is, it would do a pretty good job, but like that's just going to get better and better until it's like 99 and then 100 percent accurate. But it's like so. So now that we're like here, I'm like I wouldn't be okay with being replaced with that because I know what that is, and that's not me. Yeah. That's a that's a much different and simple algorithm compared to the richness of my experience. Whereas like 10 years ago, if you'd asked me that question, I might have been like, yeah, sure, if it's indistinguishable. Yeah. It's like, well, okay, but like that was now I 
it's not the same okay like we now know that it's not the same it's, it, it, and like it's the same thing where it's like yeah you got a neural lace that's gonna upload your consciousness it's like whoa 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 hold on what is that million, like technically exactly what do you mean by that because yeah. as we get close as we have Neuralink, it's yeah, like yeah. yeah anyway yeah. no i i hear you i was thinking something similar i, I could it be just because of how crude it still is? Like, if it really was like talking to a twin or, or to, you know, someone that was cloned from you five minutes ago. I mean, are we concerned about what kind of qualia the machine is having? I say that word to trigger you on purpose. The, like, I mean, literally, yes. Like, if the machine is feeling the things I'm feeling and thinking the things I'm thinking, then I think I'd be much more okay with it. Like, I would still want to continue living. But if I had to flip into that mode, I'd be... It's because, like, right now, we know GPT doesn't actually have the same experiences if that we do mm-hmm. yeah these it, are all questions these are all the questions that bother me yes okay. I, I don't i don't know um yeah. i don't even know what it would look like for us to know whether or not an, an artificial agent is feeling things because i i'm convinced that it would be really good at faking it way before it would actually have the emotions or whatever yeah. whatever that means if i got to flip a switch like all right steven you're facing oblivion or you're we can turn you into a pea zombie i think i'd still Pick the no, second I, one. I would not want to be a pea zombie. See, well, the thing is, I wouldn't be, right? I'd still be dead either way. But some version of me would be able to continue to give, you know, the, to the extent that anyone else likes me being alive, they'd still be able to appreciate that. I'm, I'm, just, um, I'm thinking, like, if I have a terminal disease, I'm going to die next month. They can make a exact copy of me that doesn't have the terminal disease. I guess I would want that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I mean, the exact copy, I think, is. I would agree with that. But if we're saying... But even then, still feels a little weird. It it's like, feel- oh, I still die though. I, like, I think I've. I, I guess I'm speak- speaking for myself. Like, I have been on the like, hell yeah, upload me. I'd be totally fine living forever as a digital consciousness. Mm-hmm. I've been on board with that for over a decade at this point. Mm-hmm. But like, then like you actually begin to have the prospect of Neuralink and AI, and, and you're like, well. I was okay with it in the abstract, but now that you actually have these implementation details, I'm like, well, what does it really mean to store memory? Mm-hmm. Like, what does it really mean to simulate a mind? And suddenly I become a lot more wobbly. Uh, I just think that's interesting. And it is the kind of thing that I'm thinking about more and more as we're approaching this this frontier where it becomes more real. Yeah. Um, in my mind, I've had, I don't know, at least for 15 years, maybe longer, everything in my mind now. It's funny, like, I used to say everything was 10 years ago. Just because, mm-hmm. like, ballparking, you know, autobiographically. Now I just added five years to that, yeah. and I still have no idea if I'm plus or minus five years. Yeah. But for given, you know, roughly, you know, fifteen years, I've had a password for myself that if I ever met like someone from me, some someone claiming claiming to be me from the future or a clone, mm-hmm. they could deliver that password, and I would know to know to believe them. So I still have that, and this would also work in the case of an upload. Like, all right, just to make sure that you're not just like saying things that I would say because you've listened to all my podcasts mm. and you're pretending to be me. What right. what's what's my password? So the thing that knew the thing knew the password that'd be good enough for you. It would be it would help a lot. Yeah. Um I, I good enough I'd have to give a lot of thought to, but it would make me feel better. Have you guys played Soma yet? Yeah. Yeah. Well I I watched a playthrough. Okay, I, okay. Yeah. I, I totally feel like that time when he transfers into a new body and you're asked like leaves the, the dude in the chair. Yeah, the old body of you is still unconscious. What do you do? Like obviously you kill it uh-huh. because that would be what I would want. That's just the transporter opportunity. Yeah. If I were to wake up again, that is the part that I would find like really creepy and weird and immoral. Uh-huh. If if I could make that clone of me and with the terminal disease and then I go to sleep and then the clone wakes up, I would expect to 
I just wake up and I don't have the disease anymore and that's great. Mm-hmm. Whereas opposed to uh, if I wake up again, then there's a 50-50 chance I still have to die, uh-huh. <laughs> which I would not want. Uh-huh. There was a, I mentioned some months ago, there was a movie that I can't remember what it was called where they found a mirror that let them go into alternate dimensions mm-hmm. and they're just robbing themselves because like they, it's like, <laughs> yeah. is it the same house? Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. And so they're dropping their other selves and I didn't finish the movie, but I'm assuming it ends badly <laughs> because they're, 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 they're defecting over yeah. and over. Uh-huh. And there was a movie that I saw that I, I hated that came out in 2023 called Infinity Pool starring uh, Alexander Skarsgård. Is that this movie? No. There's a different one. Okay. It's a different one with a similar problem and it's it's stupid but it, um, I think it won a bunch of artsy awards and it's whatever some I think the son of the guy the Cronenberg guy made all these movies. Mm-hmm. Anyway um, yeah Brandon Cronenberg directed it uh, and wrote it but um, for convoluted reasons he's like in some foreign country and he, he drunk drive hits somebody and the punishment is capital capital punishment. Oh, shit. However, because the movie's you know needs to happen, it just needs to be you that we kill, and luckily we can clone you. The rule is like the, the family of the person that you killed gets to kill you, and so he's like, well, yeah, I guess I'd rather be killed as a clone than be killed. So go ahead and clone me. And then his clone is begging to him and to his wife, like, save me, help, whatever, while he's chained to this pole waiting to get killed. All right. As I would. But, well, you wouldn't have signed the paper then in that point, in that case. Oh. He, he had to sign up for it. He had to agree. Mm. Right? He didn't, he didn't think and, it through, I guess. No. And so the, that, that part bugged me. But then also, you know, it gets into this whole thing where they're cloning themselves for sport and then like killing them for fun. <laughs> and like, I, I don't understand what the hell could possibly be happening in anyone's mind that would make them want to do that or think that's a fun idea. It's a Doris and, Day person. It's a what? Doris? Yeah. Doris Finch. Doris Finch. Yeah. Sorry. No, no. Day? Oh, she was but, an old actress. Uh, Doris Finch. Well, the thing is, I don't understand how someone could live as a Doris Finch and like what, what what that would be like day to day, right? I get she makes a great fictional character and I get like parts of that relating to like actual, you know, human psychology. But what moron is like, well, the clone versions of me that beg and protest, you know, like they don't matter. I'm going to have fun torturing them to death. Like that's not a thing that anyone could possibly do. <laughs> how, how did this relate to what we were just, oh, I guess just the idea of like uploads and cloning and stuff, right? Like this, this was related more than that. Hopefully it'll make sense to whoever. This is a lot more fun than thinking about dying. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. like this. Well, I, I think this is totally, totally topical, right? Cause it's like the idea is if you're, if you're taking seriously the, the sentence living in the early singularity, it's like, well, that's one of the weird things about this moment is this futurism bullshit that has always been basically a fantasy has become weirdly immediate and and now i find myself actually struggling with things that i thought i'd made up my mind on in 2010 i knew all the stuff i knew now but it was in the future i'm like awesome let's hit the gas and get to the the singularity because yeah maybe it'll kill us all but probably we're all going to get uploaded and get awesome utopia and now that we're here, I'm like, let's do the opposite of what I was saying, <laughs> yeah. because this 20% chance of everyone dying is actually looming really large in my head. Yeah, yeah. I, I always said I would be like first in line for brain implants. And now it's like, well, here they are, Matt. Neuralink's They're still doing... not great yet, though, right? Well, that's the thing is like, what's the line? Mm. Right? Because like, if, if that's true, you're not first in line. Yeah. Well, well, yeah, exactly. What's the threshold where it's like, I just learned this, like this week, they're starting, uh, Neuralink got approval for human trials I saw that. with the Neuralink implant. So cool. And part, yeah, part of me, I would say it's probably most of me is, is like, yes, this is awesome. I'm so glad we're living in this timeline. Actually, I, I think I'm just purely excited about this, but also it's like, do I want them to drill a hole in my skull and stab electrodes into my neocortex? Not yet. <laughs> Um, the thing that would most stop me is, can I upgrade to Neuralink 2, mm-hmm. or am I stuck with Neuralink 1 forever? 
because if I can upgrade easily, yeah, I might be able willing to try that out. Yeah. But that, if that, I'm stuck with the first iPhone forever. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's kind of what I was thinking. And I remember the, the Infinity Pool movie related to the Soma conundrum. Mm-hmm. And this guy failed it just like the guy, well, depending on what choice you make in Soma. The, or the Neuralink thing. Luckily, I've had a policy since before iPod touches were a thing that I'm not going to buy the Model 1 of anything. Hmm. Let the beta point two testers, you know, the, the actual user base, mm-hmm. you know, run through and figure out all the bugs with this thing. And then I'll buy the, the version that fixes all of those. But it's, but you're right. It's not like, well, unless it's like a phone, you know, if I buy the, the first version of the new whatever phone, if it sucks, I can just throw it out and get a new one, you know, in a year when that one comes out. Can you do that with the new with Neuralink? Unclear. No. What if the new Neuralink gives them such a big advantage, they take over all the important things? You mean like the version one? Yeah. Oh, that'd be cool. I mean, well, I mean, you know, that, that, but then that that's one outcome. Left not, yeah. <laughs> not being part of the ruling class and having to put up with their wins. Yeah. I think, I think I'm okay taking that risk versus like the one of getting like, yeah, it turns out that if you put this in human brain for three years, it melts or something, right? Like, right, right. you know, it, it's not going to be that simple, but I'll let be way more inclined once I hear some, us- once I get to read some user reviews mm. and, uh, maybe when there's a version two. Is my when I'll I'll try to get signed up for this and figure out if it's worth blowing my life savings on it, right? Well, um, you have to blow your life savings for it once it's approved for human use. While they're testing, you get it free. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, this isn't this, <laughs> this isn't like you know, uh, like I signed up for what was that? Like, give me COVID, you know, on purpose. If you think it'll help with like one the, day sooner. Yeah, yeah. I, I signed up for that because downside there is I'd be sick for a week probably, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, this, I don't know. I'm not in a situation where I want to sign up for it just yet. So, yeah. Uh, but but it is interesting. You're right. Like when it's all perspective and distant, it's all fun to be all you know gung ho and jazzed about it. And then a- as as it gets closer, you're like, is this? Now I want to know all the details yeah. really quick first. Right. Just just I need to know everything before I sign the dotted line. And, and and I find that what I have done is I have implicitly, without even realizing, just kind of pushed the horizon out by being like. I would be fine with it if they like inject nano machines and then the nano machines go through your brain mm-hmm. and then if you change your mind you just like press a button and they just like flush themselves out through your bloodstream and then you go back to normal. Yeah. And it's like Matt, you you literally all, all you did there is you just pushed it to a point of indefinite future technology that doesn't exist yet. Yeah. Like and then once it does exist, you're going to have to ask yourself again. Exactly. Exactly. That's cool. Yeah. So, you're saying you're a um Luddite. I, I guess I'm le- I guess I'm less risk uh, embracing than I thought I was. Yeah, I guess. I, I mean, I've always had a little streak of like the Butlerian Jihad in me since reading Dune as a young teen and being like, maybe we should all just live in the desert and 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 uh, that's like, yeah. Which is I don't really endorse because it's like, oh yeah, and then you die of disease and yeah, it's like right. no, not I don't like that actually. I like I like tinkering and living in a technological civilization and having medicine, but um. But, air conditioning is um, cool. Air conditioning is cool. Yeah. Pun intended. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the thing you were saying about when you get sufficient high um, fidelity simulation of you, right? Mm-hmm. If you were to lose a loved one, do you think you would accept a a clone of that kind, even if you're not quite sure if it has the emotions inside it? I think this was an episode of the season one of Black Mirror. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. It was like a service that you could pay for when yeah. a loved one died, and they would send you like a clone yeah. that you know they remade from all the publicly available, you know, all the available stuff that you could give them, which right. obviously didn't include their private thoughts. And that, that was the friction of the episode where, you know, there was some discrepancy between who this person was on paper mm-hmm. and what was handed over, you know, yeah. versus who they actually were. And the longer they spent together, the more she realized this wasn't really him. Yeah. Right. And I think that's like, I, I don't know, you know, I don't mm-hmm. know. Like if we really, if somebody, you know, really solves the philosophical problem of Qualia, 
in a way that's convincing and then you're like and then they show like yeah if you do this algorithm that has the qualia then i then then i guess i would be more easily persuaded but if it's if i happen to know that like oh it's a transformer architecture that was trained on all of their <laughs> outputs then i'd just be like no i know that nothing like them is in that gpu cluster it's it's just i have a simpler question okay i think i would accept it for a dead pet Okay. If it was good enough because I think pets are significantly simpler mm-hmm. that oh. they might be able to like regrow a pet and make its brain, you know, what they got from a GPT transformer mm-hmm. that it would be like, oh yeah, th- this is my pet. I recognize him for all those years. Mm-hmm. If I'm willing to accept that, isn't it just a matter of time until it gets good enough that they can do that with a human too? I like how just in two different ways you've asked, have you seen the sixth day? Sorry, Ronald Schwarzenegger. <laughs> the, the com- the oh company- my god, it's been so long. I forgot about that movie. The company was Repet. That's how it that's- was. It? Yeah. Oh, cool. And it was like, he'll remember where his bones are buried and everything. Nice. Um, related to that, I was thinking too, because this is something that's been on the, I, you know, because this is, this is something that could actually happen tomorrow. You know, if, if I died, someone could transcribe everything I've said and written and train a chatbot on it. And people could have a conversation with what they knew was an emulated version of me. Mm. Would I like to do that with somebody? You know, as a, could this be used like as a, as a, um, therapy, you know, coping strategy for like dealing with grief? Oh, maybe. Um, or would it make it worse? It would be interesting for legal questions. If someone was asking, what would this person want? You could literally ask an emulation and it would probably be like 99.8% correct, right? Yeah. And you could say, this is very strong evidence that this is what Stephen would have wanted if he was here. Yeah. As opposed to just arguing over it. What did the founders mean when they wrote the Second Amendment? Right. One question that occurred to me the other day is, would you trust that more than you would trust just asking your closest friend, what do you think, what do you think, yeah, I should say, what do you think Stephen would say? If like, it was a legal question, they might have motivation to slightly sure. think more one way or the other, you know? Yeah. Or, Enosh definitely would have wanted to leave me all of his money. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. um, but yeah. I mean, that's, but, that's a bit too blatant, but there could be some. But I know what you mean. Yeah. You know, like, could, could you reach out, you know, could someone reach out to my family or whatever and say, you know, what would Stephen think here? Mm-hmm. That'd be, that'd be tough. I think that they might as well just ask the version of me that lives in their head, right? Yeah. Um, which is, you know, pre- probably a pretty good approximation. Um, yeah. Yeah. They'd probably stammer less, too, and hopefully have more coherent sentences oh from start to finish. I would love to see a GPT Jesus where you can train it on the gospel and then literally ask it, what would Jesus do? Uh-huh. Like, well, depending on which gospel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. He might forgive or he might fashion a whip. <laughs> I remember asking this to GPT-5 or 3.5. I was like, whatever happened to that guy who did that bad thing to Jesus? Um, <laughs> and and it's like, oh, you're probably talking about Judas. Because I was curious, like, what actually happened after he got paid and left, right? And it gave me the, what I'm assuming was actually in the Bible, I can't remember. Mm-hmm. But I, I just like that I understood my question. Because mm-hmm. I phrased it deliberately in a silly way. Yeah. A similar thing happened while we were talking. Because I I wanted to look up a, an answer to a specific question. But I wanted to pay attention to the conversation. So I just typed... Live like there's no tomorrow, obverse Gandhi. Okay. Because I want, because I remember there was a specific quote from Gandhi that I wanted, um, and it gave me, uh, "Live as if you were to die tomorrow, learn as if you were to live forever," which is the quote I wanted. So I figured uh, out what I wanted from that bullshit. <laughs> um, so that's just a yeah. It's awesome. Well, <laughs> we didn't do less wrong posts, which is fine. Yeah, yeah, we don't got time and energy for that anymore. Nope. <laughs> so less wrong posts next time. Yeah, they're fun. We'll get to them. Matt, thank you for joining us. Yeah, of man. Of course, I had a great time. Thanks. Yeah. this is fun doing in, in meat space too yes you know, yeah. we, we'd had you know like you said a long a long string of you know good conversations with people about specific topics but just hanging out and shooting the shit which is kind of why 
we wanted to do this in the first place. Getting back to our roots. It's really hard to talk about being depressed on the podcast because whenever I'm on the podcast, I'm not depressed because I'm interacting with people I love. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, what was I thinking back when I was alone? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, it's it's 50% better in meat space. So yeah. All right. Uh, thanks for joining us. Bye, everybody. Later. Bye.